0: Hey guys, brand new podcast, and I'm doing the read today with my co-host, Georgia Mae Kreischer. How you doing, George? I'm good. Yeah?
1: hmm
0: Um, uh, I got tour dates. Did you know that, George? No. Is this your first podcast you've ever been on? No. Georgia is my 13-year-old daughter.
1: The better one.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Really slam, why don't you? Do you remember what your line is in the intro? Oh, it's... This is uh, This
1: the is the cast. And then I remember coming in here, and I think Isla threw up a lightsaber after.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. She was choking on it, right?
1: Yeah. And then it was nasty.
0: Uh, this week, everybody, I'm a comedy off-Broadway in Lexington, Kentucky. I've had a hard time saying Lexington. Lexington. ting
1: <laughs>
0: Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> you
1: could make a song. It's like, ting-ting-tong, Lexington.
0: Lexington. Although oh, that, that sounds racist. <laughs> um... The week after that, I'm at Wise Guys in Utah, and then I'm home for a week, George. What are we going to do when I'm home for a week? Wait, are you are you flying somewhere? Zany oh, Chicago, the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of May, and on the 6th of May, I'm at Stand Up Live for two shows in Huntsville, Alabama, followed by, ooh, I think I'm in the Tempe Improv on the 10th, 11th, and 12th of Mother's Day. Yes, yes, I am. I'm at the Tempe be- Improv. I shouldn't announce this because it's not on sale yet. But you will know this shortly. Arizona. I'll be at the Tempe Improv. Uh, someone get a hold of... Uh... Oh, fuck. My brain's farting. Tempe Improv. The 10th, 11th, and 12th. Funny Bone Liberty Township. The 18th and 19th and 20th. And then we're on vacation. And then we're on vacation. And then we're on vacation. That's three weeks of vacation. Followed by the Stardome and Birmingham, Alabama. Chicago Theater just went on sale. No, this coming Friday, me, Nate uh, Kyle Kinane, and Sal Vulcano. George May, I asked you to come in and do this read with me. Could you leave for one second while I do this read?
1: Why? Because
0: it's a sponsor and it's an adult sponsor.
1: What? Can you elaborate on that, please?
0: No, uh, no I actually can't. Oh, the sponsor no. is HIMS and it's not uh, little girl appropriate. <laughs> Just leave for two seconds. I'll do this ad. Just, I'll tell you when to come back in because I need you for the next sponsor. Okay? Hey, guys, do you have a problem with erectile dysfunction? <laughs> Is your daughter staring into the room as you talk about uh, erectile dysfunction? Seriously? No joke? Uh, over 20 over 25% of new erectile dysfunctions dysfunction are in guys under 40 that's a lot of us I've been having problems not necessarily with I don't have fucking sexual problems I'm a fucking lunatic here's the solution 4 is one stop shopping for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness, all for men here's the great thing is this is science it's not some snake oil it's not some uh bullshit cure I use Minoxidil I've been using Minoxidil for over 20 years and I use it every day Uh, I've not been allowed to use the ED medicine but here's the deal it's not some bullshit you call in you don't have to go into a doctor's office and say, I'm having a problem with my dick if you're under 40. You can just go in, you go online, you take a survey, you do a, a confidential review with a, a doctor, and the products are shipped directly to your door. It is through a doctor. These are uh, these are legit pills. It's so fucking easy. No waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. You save a ton of time. It's not snake Snake oil pills, it's prescription solutions backed by science. One ED pill starts with a V. We'll just say it that way. And the patent got off the shelf on December 11th, and that was the game changer. That is why they're able to do what they do. So don't worry. This isn't for old guys. This is for guys in their 30s and 40s. And... It's basically just allowing you, if you're going to have a, 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 a an evening with a lady, to perform at your best. Don't you fucking want that? It is. It used to be difficult as shit to get these pills. Now it is just easy. Here's what you do. To try hymns for one month today for just $5, we will get you started for just 5 bucks while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash Bert casted. Do you understand me? That is the past tense of being that is if you were Bert Cast Bert casted. So go to four hymns, Forhims, F O R H I M S dot com slash Bertcasted. B-E-R-T C A S T E D. Go to Forhims dot com slash Bertcasted to try what products they have in stock for one month. For just $5 while supplies last this would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor do it all right let's get my daughter back in here as we Georgia I just blew that out your ears guys I'm sorry the reason I got Georgia in here is uh Georgia get back down here that was awkward sorry it's a adult thing that all that uh that us 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 guys do
1: You mean the elders?
0: The elders, yeah. No, it's not not for elders anymore. It's for under guys under 40. Um, Do you like your mattress? Yes. Yeah? Mom
1: said she'd rather switch beds with me, but I said no.
0: She'd rather switch beds with you?
1: Yeah. She says it's the most comfortable mattress in the house.
0: What do you think about it? it, I like it. Do you like it compared to your old mattress? Mm Mm-hmm. What about the pillow?
1: I like the pillow because it doesn't move. So, I mean, like, you go to bed... And then you wake up and it's flat again, so you don't have to readjust it. Really? Yeah.
0: Do you know who 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 gave us your mattress? Mom. No. The, you? the good people at Lisa Mattresses. Driven by a mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody. Lisa Mattresses donates one mattress to a shelter for every ten they sell through their one to ten program. That's over twenty-three thousand mattress mattresses donated so far. And they plant one tree for every order received. Can you imagine that, Georgia? They give a mattress to someone in need. Someone in need is down on their luck, gets your mattress. How freaking great is that?
1: Do I get to choose the tree?
0: No, you don't. <sighs> no. You don't get to choose the, the person down on their luck that gets the mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Available online or at Lisa Dream Galleries in Soho, North, North New York, and Virginia Beach. By the way, I'm going to go see the one in Virginia Beach when I'm doing Virginia Beach this year.
1: Wait, hold on. Can you plant a banana tree for me?
0: American mattresses. Dang. American-made mattresses <laughs> ship compressed in a box to your door. Try the mattress in your own home for a hundred nights risk-free should we send your mattress back and get a brand <laughs> new one
1: no if we send it back we should get it a banana tree
0: okay someone's doing comedy bits everybody right now you can try yours before you buy it at over 80 west elm stores nationwide lisa's patented universal adapted adaptive feel is designed for type all types of sleepers what kind of sleeper are you georgia what? What kind of sleeper are you? What? A side sleeper, back sleeper, stomach sleeper?
1: A side sleeper? Well, I mean, it depends. Uh, I, fa- I fell off the bed a couple of times last night. Really? Yes, because I was sleeping with Priscilla.
0: And they feature three <laughs> pr- premium foam layers. Two inch of Venus t- foam top layer for cooling and breathability. Do you feel the cooling and breathability?
1: I don't breathe into my mattress.
0: Two-inch memory foam in the middle layer for body contouring and pressure relief, <laughs> and six-inch dense core support for durability and structure for sleepers of all sizes. What size are you, Georgia? Medium. I have no idea what you said. You're a small said. sleeper, and you do you fear your core is dense? What? I don't 11,
1: have abs. Thousand five
0: thousand five-star reviews. These mattresses are the shit. Say it, Georgia. These mattresses are the shit. Say it, Georgia. No,
1: mom wouldn't let me.
0: Available in the UK, Canada, US, and in Germany. Lisa is continuing to expand its offerings to include the Lisa pillow, which my daughter Georgia has, which she loves because it stays where it is. Yeah. The blanket, sheets, foundation, and frame, all available online with free shipping. Go to lisa.com slash Burtcast for $125 off the Lisa mattress. That's a lot of money, George.
1: Yes, it is. It's three whole numbers.
0: Go to lisa.com slash birdcast for $125 off the Lisa mattress. That's the deepest discount they've ever offered. $125 off a Lisa mattress if you go to lisa.com slash birdcast. By the way, that's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash birdcast. That's lisa.com slash birdcast for $120 Wait, off. Wait, why did they spell off. it wrong? They... They didn't spell it wrong. It's the name of their company.
1: No, they spelled it wrong. I think wrong. the person's
0: name is Lisa.
1: No, because you spell Lisa L I S A, like my teacher. One hundred
0: and twenty-five dollars off.
1: Wait, I have another question.
0: Your f- Lisa mattress. What's your other question, George?
1: How much would it be without the hundred and twenty-five?
0: I don't know. Let me to go check.
1: Yeah. That's Just do question, some George. calculation.
0: Um. Let's see, L E E S A.
1: That's not how you spell it.
0: Dot com. It is how you spell it.
1: No, it's L I. It's L E
0: S A. -A.
1: (laughs) Why is it two e's? It's just extra work, and I is so much easier.
0: Lisa mattresses. Let's get a line and a dot. Let's get a Lisa mattress.
1: No, I already have one. Whoa. Whoa.
0: So you would? your a queen is normally around.
1: I don't have a queen. What do you have? A full.
0: Well, let's look at the queen because that's what I'd get. No. The queen is... Wait, which
1: one's bigger? A king or a queen? Queen.
0: The queen, Why? queen. King, king, king. Shut up. You're driving me nuts.
1: Wait, what if there's like...
0: It's, it's queen, normally queen. $995, which is a pretty good deal for a, this good, good of a mattress. But with your $125 off, you'd only pay $865. seventy-five, dollars something like that. All right.
1: Lexington. Ten, 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 Lexington.
0: Ten. Ten, ten, All right, Georgia, do you have racist. any more questions? Do you have any questions? Do you want to know who the guest is today? No. Uh, today's guest. Sorry, Shut the <laughs> fuck up, Siri.
1: <laughs> well, Siri doesn't want to know either, so there's two against one, so just say something else. Um. Like, why are you still wearing your wristband?
0: For my marathon?
1: Yeah, cut it off.
0: No, it's because... It's dirty. It's, uh... No, it reminds people I did a marathon.
1: It's like keeping it in... I don't know if you had like a pencil in your leg, but you got it because you were fighting some evil teacher or something. You're like, yeah, I keep the pencil. in My legs are a finder of how great I am.
0: Well, this is podcast <laughs> gold. Everybody podcast gold. We're going to do a full podcast with both my daughters <laughs> and my wife one day and a couple bottles of wine.
1: That's not safe.
0: <laughs> Today's guest is the host of the opposition on comedy central. He was on the daily show. He's a sketch guy. We talk about all this. It's a fantastic interview. Um, uh, I, I very seldomly do I take like, I, and I, I think I try to go out of this more, you know, for a long time, I was just having guests of people that I knew so we could hang. And then you guys kind of hit me up. And you're like, I like it when you don't know the person and we don't know the person. It's kind of fun to do like a full blown interview. And this is one of those cases uh, we got hit up by his publicist through my manager and it just randomly, the day they called Nikki Glazer had done his TV show, the opposition on Comedy Central. And so... <clears throat> I had just heard of him, and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I know this guy. And then I watched some of his stuff, and he's really talented. He tells one of the most interesting stories about getting a TV show that I've ever heard in this business. He tells it coming up. We talk about his TV show. We talk about guns. I had just oh. bought my guns this day, yeah, and so I walked him into my house, and I had my guns sprawled out on the on the dining room table, and you could tell he was like, hey. And I think some people will say he's known as the gun guy, but. Uh, He's a fantastic guy. And it was a great interview. And towards the end, his his publicist, John, just kidding, his name's Matt, his publicist Matt was here, and we kind of got him into the fray, and we all kind of just, the three of us kind of shot the shit. But I know you're going to love it. Uh, Georgia, thank you for doing this read with me.
1: Wait, I have another question. Oh, God. Have you knocked someone unconscious before? No. Do you wish he would have done it?
0: No. I've like, punched people. It's not fun.
1: How... If you could knock someone unconscious, how would you prefer to do it?
0: Punch to the jaw.
1: No, that's not fun.
0: The punch to the side of the head? No. What would you do?
1: I'd throw glass in them.
0: Okay, Connor McGregor. Like, All right, that's enough them. from Georgia Kreischer. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Georgia Kreischer. Your you podcast you debut <laughs> shut. Cut her mic off. Cut could her mic, mic off. Cut her mic glass off. Glass. Then, cutting, Today's guest... From The Opposition on Comedy Central, airing directly after The Daily Show, no, it's not on, (laughs) Jordan Klepper. I
1: can use
2: yours.
1: (laughs) This is
2: Overcast. All right, we're recording. I'm going to turn off all the buzzing. Yeah,
0: this is is the man cave, the... uh... I was, when I first did Rogan a long time ago, I walked, he used to do it at his house and you would go in and they had all these like gifts that fans had given him and like all these business things. And I always wanted that. And then you get there to that point where people are giving you everything. Like I like chicken sticks (laughs) Yep. and someone sent me like two pounds of chicken sticks and then you start going, okay, man, I wish I wasn't hadn't gotten all the gifts. There's so many paintings and pictures and just like, like, uh, There's a Mickey Mantle doll right back there. I mean, that's cool. Do you angle for it now? Do you drop little hints of things that you might want? When I first started, I did. Now what I say to people is bring me either a size 8 baseball hat, because I love baseball hats and I wear a size 8 and they're really hard to find, or uh, little bottles of uh, Tito's, the the little ones I could travel with. (laughs) Just straight booze. Yeah, because my flights are always at 6 in the morning, well, I could bring them to the show, and then my flight's already six morning on Sunday morning, and I can make a cocktail in the airport, little orange juice, Fortitos in the bathroom, sip it, bring it onto the plane. Next thing you know, you're <laughs> in fucking Dallas. You have a real cocktail. Yeah. So you figured it out. You game the system. Give a me little a hat. bit. Give yeah, me a yeah. Hat and give
2: me some booze.
0: It's really bizarre the way it works now. Like sometimes you'll just tweet, like, "Hey, can does anyone have weed?" And then someone's like, oh, I heard you need weed. I brought you like an ounce. And you're like, I didn't need that much.
2: You know, because I just wanted a bud. I've got a one hitter I travel with. This is, you know, this is, this is when they imagined what social media can do. It, it really brings people together to it, help destroy ourselves from the inside.
0: It's amazing. It's amazing. The Tito's thing for me has been the biggest uh, connection because I, I, big, I drink, I got into a weight loss challenge with Tom Segura uh-huh. uh, about a year ago that was, it was pretty big. It was, uh, it was one of those things that, um, it was like it was a little bit of a change of career a little bit because it was it like I would argue it went viral. With just a lot of people followed the weight loss mm-hmm. and it became like a running joke between the two of us. And then uh, and I did it. I lost 40 pounds in a month and I didn't stop drinking.
2: Was this the angle? The Tito's was the angle. It was, so I just it's drank tequila? Tito's
0: and soda. And and all of a sudden my Tito's became like anywhere I went Tito's would send huge gift bags. And I would, and they would send stuff to my house for my dogs. So they're all about dogs. And now they're going to my shows, and they're matching whatever people drink in Tito's and giving it to charity <laughs> at my shows. <laughs> it's, really, it is just.
2: So do you I mean, I wish by... I could get that fucking money. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you figure, is that is that the way to go? Tito's soda, if, if, if you're going to be healthy but want to maintain a, a healthy, I wouldn't say
0: healthy is the right way to go about sure. this. Tito's and soda <laughs> is uh, not a very, like, what happens with me is I drink big Tito's and sodas. So then... Just quantity-wise. Right, and then that just builds, and then you build up a tolerance, and next thing you know, you're like, oh, I got to drink a handle of Tito's to feel it. And so I've so this beer will be a nice cheers man it's good having you here. cheers good to be here i just saw you had nikki glazer on your show
2: yeah nikki was great yeah because i don't find her funny no <laughs> <laughs> good. oh good it just, oh we can just clear the air great <laughs> <laughs> no how was it was it fun that was a blast i mean the show uh you know we have a we have a lot of newsmakers. we have a lot of uh writers politicians and what have you on the show so we we comedians come across a little bit more rarely so it's always so fun to have somebody on and kind of give you shit right back you know talk a little bit about politically what's going on and and nikki was talking about uh sort of doing a radio show and also in the me too world and so that was uh, a fun area to discuss but but to have a comedian come on the show and play around is always a blast and my manager said
0: uh you should have him on the show's really great and you know maybe one day you can get on his show and i'm the last person that will ever be on your show. That's not true. You just walked in, and I had two fucking guns sitting on my table. That is true. Do you know why I bought them? <laughs> that is true. Do you know why I bought them? Why'd you buy them? Because I knew nothing about gun control.
2: Yeah, it's so you. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go buy guns. I'm gonna see how easy it is." Oh no, talked to me about this. So what, what did
0: you what did you find? It is almost it's not impossible, but it is so frustrating. I would never buy a gun in L.A. because of the process. Too, the process too. is exhaustive, meaning it just is it just is difficult. So I'll tell you, I've, ta- I've ta- talked about this habit before, but. Mm. So I was I was sitting here, I just did my special um, and I was like, I really milked my family and all and everything and I was like, I was like, I feel like you shouldn't just try to retell the same joke in your next special. Like cause I see a lot of guys do that. Great style, great sense of humor but they're just retelling the same jokes, same style of jokes. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe I'd talk about something a little out of my swing zone like gun control. But I think that What we're witnessing in this country, and you can disagree or agree with me, I think you'll probably agree with me, is a lot of people that don't know anything about anything arguing very passionately about stuff they don't know anything about.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know if that's a new thing. I think that is an American that's, thing. It's an it's American thing, right? <laughs> yeah, And I was Passionate. one of those people. <laughs> see, that's, yeah. that's your birthright. You can argue as loud as you can without knowing anything about it. I, yeah, and I was like, fuck it. I, on a
0: lark. I'm depressed. I just got done the special. We're just editing it. I have nothing to talk about on stage. I got dates coming up. I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go buy a gun. And so... I was like I just yelped it mm-hmm. and they're all over the place which blew me away I did not think we'd be able to have guns in LA at all <laughs> mm-hmm. on, on Burbank Magnolia Boulevard drive down Magnolia I'm on my way to a meeting I was like I got 30 minutes I wonder if I can get a gun because that's how it's painted
2: that like you can get a gun in 30 minutes sure and uh, and b- by the way well, you are, well you're not you're not going online to get it you're not going through a a, a gun show you're going through an actual dealer right oh yeah well that's in LA you have to go through a, a, certified, a certified dealer so I See? I
0: literally roll in. Can I get a gun? What do you What do you want it for? I said respect. <laughs> Not even joking. I said respect. And then they start laughing, and someone's like, "Oh shit, the machine!" They all recognize me, mm-hmm. and which, by the way, my fan base is gunja gun. Jo- gun, yeah. gun stores is like oh yeah. <laughs>
2: that's, that's, that's the sweet spot, it's like right Jenna there. Jameson and at a strip
0: club, like. <laughs> and so. Uh, but it, I, I, bought, I bought them, and like an idiot, I thought I was walking out with them that day. True. I literally was like getting excited going, how much ammo should I get? And the guy's like, well, you'll get the ammo when you get the guns. And I was like, wait, when do I get the guns? He's like, 10 days. I was like, "No, I don't even fucking want them. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then this is where it gets really tricky. You have to have a, a, a DWP bill in your name. Uh, what's a DWP? Like a, a power a, gotcha. a utilities bill yeah. in your name in the house and nothing's in my name in this house. <laughs> Nothing, all my cars registered to my business. I have, I have not, technically, I don't really live here. So I had to have my wife draw up a lease saying I rent this house from her I rent a room in this house from her in order to get my fucking guns.
2: <laughs> that to be fair, I went to I had to go update my license at the DMV literally last week and had to do the exact same thing. For real? Yeah, because the all my stuff is in uh, business manager yes. Uh, name. Yes, it was, it was such a pain in the ass. They're like, they had to give me a temporary thing. My wife has to vouch for me. It's it's a whole big thing. Yeah, and the Me Too stuff. If, if a
0: woman ever says anything, I shut up. I just listen. Cause that's the, what they fucking said. And then anyone who hears me listening goes, what kind of fucking man are you? You're not going to stand up for us. And I go, Oh God, you can't fucking win. Wait, how do we get to me too? You got to happened? How did you know, get to me too. You know too? more
2: about guns <laughs> than I do. Actually, I'm fast. I, I, I've, I've done a lot of stuff on guns, but yes. I, I am by no means an expert. Like, uh, no, but you're,
0: you're an expert to anyone listening. It meaning like the people that listen to my thing, they have an opinion, mm-hmm. but I think most of them were like, yeah, what is the deal with... Because, like...
2: Honestly, I'm super... And uh, in, in hearing your story of how to buy a gun, I, like... You know, I, I went through a little bit of that as well, of trying to buy a gun. I did a gun special, tried to buy a gun in Georgia, found a lot of things that were really hard to get a gun, uh, as they should be. as, I, in as Georgia, it was hard to get a in gun. In Georgia, was hard to get a gun. Uh, as an out-of-state person trying to get a gun there, because I, okay. I had a New York license, and then a New York license, because I, you have to abide by your home state laws, so that uh, became its uh, own uh, thing. Uh, like... uh daily show i did a bunch of pieces where where i'd go talk to gun owners go talk to people who are frustrated and wanted gun control measures and so kind of got i got in the thick of it and especially yeah. on this show right now i've been following and talking to a lot of people oh yeah on both sides of the gun debate it's talked to a lot of the students here at parkland and went down to the march like it's it is a can you talk to that kid david hogg issue. i didn't talk to david hogg we had two uh two girls on our show uh uh, from Parkland who who spoke out and came on a show and talked a little bit and then I went down to uh to talk to the rally and some of the students who were from Parkland and other students just from the Baltimore DC area who were gonna be a part of it. So now, it's, what do you
0: know what's your opinion and obviously I'm I'm guessing it I'm guessing it a tad bit. You're forty? Uh, thirty nine. Thirty nine your mm-hmm. dad grew up in Michigan. Yep. You grew up, in Michigan. I grew up in Michigan? I'm assuming considering that your dad was roommates with Tim Allen, your dad's <laughs> a regular fucking
2: guy. Yeah. He's a brick salesman in Michigan. Okay.
0: Were you allowed to have opinions growing up?
2: <laughs> I was. You know, my, my my dad is a salt of the earth, um, hardworking, all about like a very, a very moral, hardworking guy. And so, so is my mom. My mom's kind of a little bit more of a free spirit. Um, my dad's more down the line, but like very supportive parents who like encourage me to kind of go out, explore, do my own thing. But I grew up a pretty conservative kid too. So like yeah. I was, I was free to have any opinions, but I think I, my only opinion till I was 18 was like, I need to get into college because that's the only way to get a job. Yeah. And so like my opinions were just, <laughs> my opinion for regurgitating the opinions of adults who had an idea as to how to navigate becoming not, uh, 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 a loser I suppose and so I, I, I felt pretty I was not stifled by my parents at all oh I was um, stifled but, entirely you... <laughs> yeah I, my, my dad
0: called me asshole lovingly, really? lovingly like asshole you don't there's like I remember the gulf war started and I was like this is fucking ridiculous we should be against war my dad's like asshole go to your room right now <laughs> until you realize what a fucking idiot you are <laughs> yeah. and I literally sat there I was like 16 years old and I was like why am I an idiot why am I an idiot why am I an idiot? <laughs> and and there was because and that's part of why I don't talk totally about politics is because I don't do the research. I'm not sure. well informed. Sure. And and so I watch. I, you know, I think when I watch these kids, these Parkland kids talk about gun control, I don't. I don't really care. Like I don't care. I care that they're passionate. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. That's where change comes from. Mm-hmm. I do believe everyone. i have
2: always been cool with change. I get more jealous that their parents are letting them talk. (laughs) I know. I think I would say that too. I was like, I don't think I, I knew to be curious enough at that age to have opinions, be articulate about it. And I think honestly, in talking to some of these kids, like I get the pushback people have, but these kids are incredibly well-spoken. And you go to the march, and I was just, I was interviewing people who were you went not to the part, march? I went to the march. I talked to a lot of students, just random students, v- very articulate. But more than that, like, the moral authority of, like, you ask them, why are you here? And it's pretty hard to argue with kids who are like, I don't want to get shot. We do, like, they talk to adults and, like, you don't know what it's like to grow up post-Columbine. Like, we, we do drills. Everybody does drills. They're like, I don't want to get shot. I'm afraid of that. And so why do you march? I want to do whatever we can to stop that. And I think, like, there's... The pushback that I see from the far right on, like, these kids having an opinion, what frustrates me is, like, you, you can have pushback about what the policies are, but, like, yeah. I think it's a valid opinion to be, like, I'm a kid who goes to school, there's school shootings, we have to practice for these things, I don't fucking want to get shot, like, it's... The fact that kids are getting attacked for that point of view, I think, is is crazy. Well, I think it's weird that adults are attacking... I mean, it doesn't make... It makes sense that adults are attacking kids. It makes sense. It's always happened. Yeah, well, but but it feels like it's gone... It's become so quick now. I think, like, I thought there'd be a couple weeks before people started calling out the legitimacy of that or making fun of, like, uh, David Hogg getting into college. Like, that's happening. That broke
0: book. my heart. By the way, okay, I'm legit. I don't really like David Hogg. I don't really care for the kid. I don't care for him on, for like, a plethora of reasons. But, like, mostly just because his dad's letting him ha- talk. That's my main problem. <laughs> like, and that was what I really connected with because I was like, fuck that kid's freedom, man. Like, my if, my, if, they, if a camera crew came and... I was written up in Rolling Stone magazine in 1997. Humble brag. Very, no, big brag. Just big, <laughs> big brag. Big brag. Big brag. Uh, my dad called me the morning. It came out April 1st. And there was a knock at my door, and simultaneously my phone rang. I answered my phone, and at my front door was UPS. I, I said, hello. And my dad said, what the fuck did you do? And I said, I don't know. By the way, I'm 25 at the time. I'm still in college. Mm-hmm. I'm 25. <laughs> I open the UPS and the cover's back, but I thought it was me. I don't know, it was just got off guard. <laughs> and I go, Dad, I think I'm in Rolling Stone magazine. And he was like, "What?" And I flip it open, and I'm in the centerfold. It says white of me and a fountain, and the title says, uh, "The num." It took Bert Kreischer six and a half years to become the man he is today, the number one party animal in the country <laughs> at the number one party school. And I go, Dad, I think I'm in Rolling Stone. And this was, I'm, a, I'm 25, okay? I'm in a national publication about me. And my dad goes, shut your fucking mouth. You don't talk to a fucking soul. Do you understand me? And then he hangs up. I was like, yes, sir. And I hung up. So when I see David Hogg talking, I'm like, how come my dad couldn't have been like that? Like, I was so embarrassed to get into comedy because my dad was mad at me because I'd done that, that I, my, that's not my point. My point about David Hogg is when they did that thing about college, it broke my heart. Yeah. Because- how dare, do you not remember not getting into colleges? These people that are coming after him. Do you not remember it's, not getting into colleges? It sucked. You had your dreams and hopes hung on a fucking hat ring.
2: <laughs> it's, if you've gone through that, it's, it's the meanest thing you could do to a child who is going through getting into college. And you have people who are on television, media personalities. It's the, it's the, it's the lowest swing you could take.
0: And by the way, I will tell you, my kids are not going anywhere to college because that kid's grades are up there. <laughs> my, my sixth grader, they are easy. Yeah, my sixth grader can barely read, I'm not even joking. She's dyslexic, can barely read. She is not going to college, if the, and she hasn't an organized shit. Like, <laughs> I just was like, that whole that whole fucking thing kind of rubbed me wrong when I saw it because I heard it, and then I, I immediately was like, he get getting college. Like, how you think someone would be jumping at that chance, and then. And then you heard the, the audio from TMZ, and he wasn't being a dick. No, he was like... He was like heartbroken. He was like, yeah, I, th- I thought I would have gotten in. I, I really had my heart set on that school. Dude, I remember that feeling.
2: Honestly, this is... I, I would say this, not to go political on this, but I do think Please. like... Uh, like a, a David Hogg is a great example of like, the things he's asking for are not crazy. Like, he he complained... He, quote-unquote complains about not getting into college no he just said he's he he's bummed out because he didn't get into college and you see it becomes politicized in a way where people are like this is he's whining he's doing all these things yeah i think it's the same thing he's asking for as far as gun control goes i think are as basic he's not we have supreme court justices who are asking to repeal the second amendment david hogg's not doing that he's asking can we close loopholes like loopholes that again it was really difficult for you to get a gun? Great. As it should I'm be. Cool i And that. I think cool like that. those weird little loopholes, like we can close those things down. 90% of America wants those things closed down. NRA members, most NRA members want those things closed down. Like that's all David Hogg's saying. Like he's, he's, he's saying basic shit on every level, yeah. but he becomes this political pawn with the far right and with all these other folks that are like, let's just, let's go at this kid. Why dare he speak? I'm like... Uh, he's not saying anything crazy he's just speaking he's speaking with clarity from a 17 or 18 year old who's not trying to spin thing he's he's just echoing how he feels uh a new york
0: uh la uh, banker when i'm buying my gun is buying an ar i don't know i don't know if it's an ar-15 yeah. but it's a, uh, an assault rifle and he's next to me and i'm looking at it and i say to my gun dealer so what's my next gun to get? And he goes, dude, you gotta get yourself an assault rifle. They're gonna be outlawed soon. That's the, and my that's the, natural male instinct was, I gotta get me an assault rifle. <laughs> like I without even thinking. And then as he said that, I went, like, like, what's an assault rifle? He goes, well, an AR-15. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the ones we're not supposed to want. But then in my head, I had already wanted it. So like there is a weird primary fucking thing about Guns. Have you ever shot guns?
2: Oh, A, a bunch. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, assault weapons. And uh, I grew up. Uh, my grandfather taught me how to shoot a rifle. And for these gun specials, I've gone out and shot shot all of the guns. They're it's, fun. They're, they're fun. Oh, 100, really shit. 100%. They, they are fun. There's a rush that you get. Like, yeah, sh- go shoot guns. Have fun with guns. Yeah. I think, great. I, I get that. If you're a responsible person, get a background check. Go get a gun. So go to why a gun aren't range. there more people like you speaking up? Cause like, I'm like you, I think, but this I'm is the like truth. You. There, you, there are, most people are. That's what's, that's what's so infuriated me. Like you have more guns than I have, but you should have those guns. You went through the process to get those guns. You're going to be responsible with guns. And here's the deal. You're now a gun owner. You don't want to get lo- uh, lumped in with other asshole gun owners who shoot other people with guns. You yeah. want whatever you can do. Those people make you look bad. So what you want is like that asshole down there who's crazy down the block, don't let him get it. Let him go through the same process you went through. That's yeah. the same thing I want as a non-gun owner. It's the same thing David Hogg wants. I think there's, there's just, there's people in power who push the narrative that it's, well, people are taking away your guns. It's, it's that moment at the gun store where they're like, you better get this thing because these things are going to go away. They're not. But you know, you know what? Sales have gone up for AR-15s. Every mass shooting, they go up because the guy at the gun store, here's the NRA guy, here's everybody else. Is like, they're coming for these guns. You're like, oh shit! I better get one of the these guns. Items <laughs> now. I, I gotta get this thing. So they do real well. It, it all goes up. The like, it's it's just it's a game that to me it's so frustrating. It, the real conversation is remarkably simple. It, I think it really is. It really is. I think it's it's remarkably simple. Do you think it gets clouded and lost in
0: in the 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 kind of uh, energy of today is that we don't have any like Jack Kennedys anymore. We don't have any Robert Kennedys. We don't have any um, any Bill Clintons. We don't have any people that are rising through politics (laughs) Based on a passion, passion of civic duty. It's it's more like, and I and i by the way, I, I'm joking. I make a joke about her in my special, but I really do, really do respect this chick and this this woman. I really do respect this woman, and I'm, I secret time, I'm definitely attracted to her too. <laughs> but uh, but Chelsea Handler uh-huh. is now going around, and I think it's noble that she's devoting her time to. Uh, to her civic duty and like going in and trying to make things better. But I, I think it does suck for the for the young lady going through college at George Washington University who's in poli sci and is now like, so wait, I should get a talk show first and then I can get into politics? Like it's a weird thing with Trump. Like, how yeah. the fuck did
2: like I mean th- there are there are inspiring stories that there there are groups the, the number of women who are running for office is skyrocketed and I think like I do think there is uh, grassroots uh, inspiring stories that are happening with to counteract that story. I mean, Trump has just blown up this whole narrative in a certain way. Where like fame is such a thing. Uh, fame
0: is such a thing. It, the Rock is sincerely thinking about running for
2: president. He will be president. I, Dude, I vote for him. I vote <laughs> yeah, for him. that's, a, that's a, I'm, I'm you like, watched his workout videos? <laughs> no, I can't. Only... <laughs> that's the thing. It's like he's so charming. I mean, he's charming. He's gonna be. He's he's conservative, right? He's gonna he's gonna be a Republican president in what twelve years. He's going
0: to be Republican
2: person? I, I heard he's Republican. I heard he's like a moderate to right guy, which I think is just, it's the sweet spot for him. You have not, hold on. You've not watched his workout videos? Are you, are you talking about the Fast and the Furious movies? No, 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 no. I assume. That's a way to call them workout videos. No, you've never watched his Instagram? No. Oh, I oh,
0: Jordan, you're missing out on being a man. Part of being a man is being uh, sexually attracted to another man, but in a straight way.
2: Oh, I have that. Trust me, I've got that. I've got oh. that all, all over the book. I just don't... I guess I've never seen The, the, the Rock.
0: They're so good. <laughs> they are so, Like, he's like... Uh, 6 a.m. sitting in the, in the Iron Jungle. By the way, this is verbatim. I've watched so many of them, I can quote them. Trying to put in some, don't get trapped by the by Like, just meathead, meathead, but really inspirational. And you start going, fuck, I should work out. I mm-hmm. should fucking work out. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the greatest days of my life, no joke, is the day The Rock uh, retweeted me and commented on my video. I was, I can tell you where it was Christmas Eve. <laughs> and I was in my kitchen, and I, and... My buddy texted me and was like, holy shit, can you believe The Rock retweeted your video and commented it? And I went, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I went to my Instagram, I saw it, and then I saw him comment, and for like three days he was watching all my videos and commenting on them. I was shaking, and my daughter, Georgia, walked into the kitchen and goes, what's the matter? And I went, don't ever forget this moment. (laughs) She goes, what? And I go, the fucking rock just retweeted me. No, by the way, I'm her father figure and I'm shaking because <laughs> another man retweeted me. And if you imagine it to my daughter, you'll go, Oh, I know where I was when the rock retweeted dad.
3: <laughs>
0: Dude, I told I put a I put a tweet out there shortly thereafter, like, yo, Rock, I will fly to wherever you are. I will put myself up for a fucking hour podcast. I will come to you. I will do it at your leisure during whatever is easiest for you. I'll work out with you in the Iron Jungle. I will hire a crew just simply to have you on my podcast. He is that inspirational. He is such a, like a, and he's not like, it's not like a Kevin, Kevin Hart's inspirational, but Kevin Hart's a, like a delusional inspirational, like hard work <laughs> so will get you everywhere. What is like, it?
2: What is about The Rock? Is it, is it that, is it, is uh, his message? He's. I think part of it for me, if we're speaking candidly, mm-hmm. is he did he
0: did the unthinkable like he did the unthinkable he was a go nowhere a walk on it miami Mm -hmm. right now you got to realize a hundred percent of those people end up never competing in sports ever again Mm -hmm. but then he transitions into wrestling he works his up to weight up to wrestling is to the top and now a hundred percent of those people never leave wrestling and gets into the movies Then he gets in a movie and everyone's like, well, he just got into a movie. A lot of wrestlers sometimes do one movie, a.k.a. John Cena. And then, oh my God, he's at the top and now he's the biggest movie star in the world. He is the big fish in the pond that keeps asking for the bigger pond. And that is why I'll vote for him for president.
2: (laughs) Damn it. Uh, You got my vote too. Dude,
0: I'm telling you, I promise you, watch some of his Instagrams and you will fucking love okay can i can i flip into a different part and this may go nowhere but i have to say one of my other massive massive and this is based comedy but man crushes is tim allen
2: yeah dude and your dad lived with them in college he's my mom's cousin too that's that's how they so met wait, you know him yeah so he was uh so yeah my dad's roommate in college mom's cousin and that's how my parents met so uh so i grew up uh I I mean I grew up I would see Tim a couple times every year and then uh when he was doing stand up and then when home improvement came through I was I was young and a kid but it was the coolest thing to see uh Uncle Tim on on TV every week and watching that kind of star rise was pr- pretty awesome. Uh so I see Tim now. I don't I haven't seen Tim in a while but usually we'd see him he'd come back to Detroit. Sometimes we'd go to Lions games my family and his family when he's back in town and so uh Wow. Yeah, so t- Tim was kind of a fun like growing up watching watching him find success and kind of finding his voice and figuring all of that out was was really kind of eye opening to watch. Now, Has there been any communication since you blew up, or is there like any? We talk like- a little bit. I mean, I think like politically, we're not necessarily in the same spot, but that's not any kind of a an issue. He talks with my mom a decent amount, uh, yeah. but I, I haven't. I honestly haven't seen him since I've been doing uh, the new show. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, but he's. But he's more than welcome to come on this show. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he's great. I mean, Tim Tim is is great and has been kind to me and to my fam and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, he's yeah, it's it's kind of fun to have this guy who's now become a little bit of a an icon of also conservative comedy. um, Yeah, I wish I wish. I mean, I'm by the way, I'm a huge Tim Allen fan. Like I,
0: I think I I he's really
2: unique to look at too. Is I feel like. and you know the stand up world better than i do but i think like the success of like blue collar comedy tour like like he sort of was 10 years ahead of that finding kind of this this voice of like kind of blue collar blue collar comedy masculine comedy in this this era that was sort of devoid of that like there
0: was I, you'll never see that show from the perspective i saw it from mm-hmm. only because you were probably you saw your uncle in it but like i saw i saw such a some in a character, like it was such a, I, I call it cutting the sleeves off your comedy. It means like, like Larry did or, mm-hmm. or like Ron, what Ron does with the cocktail and the cigar or mm-hmm. what, you know, it's just basically streamlining it into the one thing that is super identifiable that people latch on to. And I yeah. think I've, I think I've done that to an extent. I think I, I convoluted a lot more than I need to, but Tim Allen did it in a, such a highbrow way mm-hmm. by, by saying, I am this guy. But he, but he was also wearing a suit. And he was like, "I'm, but I'm more like you. And, like, it was so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Now, now, was he an
2: inspiration for you to get into show business at all? I would say, like, it, it was sort of, uh, I mean, like, I, I got into show. Like, for me, I would say my path kind of came high school and college. I got into improv and followed that path. Yeah. And so I would talk to Tim about it. And Tim was great. Like, Tim, honestly, his advice early on, which is not the wrong advice, it'd be a much quicker path, but he was like... I, I, so I, I left college and was like I want to do improv I want to do sketch comedy my inspirations are this improv world is like Monty Python is like the state it's like SNL world and that kind of stuff so it was like, like, I'm going to that, Chicago remind to me to talk about the state keep oh, going oh please yeah oh, so God. I was like I'm going to go to Chicago and I want to do that I love this I love improv I love this kind of thing and Tim was like when I would tell you he was like great you should do stand up and you should come to LA and I'm like I'm going to do Chicago and improv yeah. and he was kind he let me come to some like uh, I, I went to he filmed a movie called I think, uh, who is Cletus Taut or Cletus Taut with Christian Slater and RuPaul back in the day? Let me come to the set and like hang out and see all of that. But I mean, his advice, and again, I, I think it was the correct advice for following Showbiz was like, you got to come to LA. And for me, I was like, I love improv and it's, and that's Chicago. And so so I was sort of like, I'm going to do this thing. And I, I kind of, that was my path. I did Chicago. And then I did New York. Groundlings I, in Chicago? I did, I did Second City. And so Second up. City, you yeah, yeah. mean Second City? Yeah. And then UCB out in New York. And uh, and I would come to LA every now and then. I, I did like shows at I.O. in LA with like Sketch. And Tim would come and we'd talk. And like, he was very supportive. But from from his perspective, he was like, I'm a stand-up guy. You know, this is how he did it. He's like, I did stand-up. I, I went this path. Uh, I pitched these kinds of shows, and f- from kind of where I was coming, was like, yeah, I kind of am more character. I want to do improv. I want to do sketch, and so that finally kind of came. You know, now our worlds sort of match up again. But uh, but I kind of had to go my own path at that at, at, at that juncture.
0: Yeah, well, I think I I, I, I was told this w- the opposite of what I did was you should get into sketch. You'll never be a stand up. You're not smart enough to really? be a stand up. And I was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks. I, right? Is that good improvise? But I, and I, and I, now i looking back, I probably would have been a better sketch guy, better improv guy mm-hmm. than stand up. I, I enjoy improv more. I enjoy improv mm-hmm. I enjoy, I, this, the, the working of a set gets a little exhaustive, uh, like it's really fun right now, the part I'm in where you're just going up and writing. Yeah. And but once you are like, oh, you got a deal, you, know, you got a you know time to you shoot the special in four months, you start really kind of. I don't enjoy that process. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy the I enjoy it enough to do it for a living. But uh, if if they could just do no specials, no specials, and you could just keep doing stand up and just always writing and never worrying about repeating and just going <laughs> around and having fun, <laughs> I'd love to do that. It's fun. Stand up's fun, but. yeah but what uh, what was the difference between the groundlings and the and and
2: or not groundlings UCB Second and Second City? I mean, the the Chicago New York world is pretty fascinating. I think like uh, I would say they're all Second City is a place that is sketch comedy first. Improv is a tool to get to sketch. You're using improv as a process. It's a process. You try it. You do it a couple different times. You boil down sketch. Improv Olympic in Chicago is like artsy improv, which is like improv is the end goal. It's beautiful. Be yourself. Explore it. It's about that exploration. And I think like then you come to uh, UCB. UCB is more from the IO standpoint, which is like improv is the end product. We also do sketch, but improv is sort of the thing that we teach. But we're going to codify process more than uh chicago and so like if you look at i hate to be an idiot what's caught I well mean? i would say like uh so the the big thing that's attached to like the ucb process is this thing called the game and i think like it, it, tell me this 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 is, a, this is a wormhole of like improv nerdism but no, you have I like <laughs> you have the the ucb4 which is amy Poehler, besser walsh and ian roberts come from second city and uh, I.O. Chicago and Del Close is this guru in Chicago yep. who is like imp- improv guru, druggie guy, find yourself, be this, explore, improv as an expression of who you are, this kind of stuff. The Herald is the thing they create. The UCB before kind of comes to New York and then their idea is like, let's bring this cause it doesn't exist in New York in this form here. But let's add a little bit to like it's it's almost too loosey goosey to be like just say yes to it and keep building off of things. And they came at it with a little bit more of a mathematical mind and more of a sketch mind, which is they call it the game, which in its most basic is like we can do improv and we should keep searching But let's teach it to a point so we know what we're searching for and so like if we're doing a scene we're going to do a scene we're going to yes and in chicago you would just do that and you would you would just continue to discover at ucb we would yes and until we found an unusual thing Then we'd both know that we found this unusual thing and then we would repeat that and heighten three times to find the humor in that unusual thing so it's like it's it's added a code to it and or like more of a structure to like this is how you improvise which essentially is using improv to do improvised sketches. And so it's it's nerdy but it is like as part of the process UCB was like we're going to do traditional improv but we're going to come up with a way in which you can stumble on things that are like now I know if I do this three more times it's going to find more comedy. Now I know that we're working to find this one thing, so let's add more structure to it where Chicago, like if people are making fun of Chicago improv, they're making fun of it because it's 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 hippy-dippy and it's like, I'm going to be you, I'm going to be me, and we're going to talk for 30 minutes and nothing's going to happen. Like that's, yeah. and it, and if people are making fun of New York UCB comedy, or at the time UCB comedy, they're going to talk about it being like, we're going to make this whole thing up, but stay structured, do this, remember, you did it wrong. And so I think like, Can you give me an example of the UCB one? Fascinates me. It's and I say as somebody who like be drawn to yeah, and like as somebody who like gestated in Chicago and I taught in Chicago, did so much improv in Chicago. Like coming to New York, it was really exciting to like see somebody kind of take it to that next level. Like you can put up walls and be like, "That's not what improv is," but really fun to be like, "Yeah, but that's that's a next step of how we can kind of have a shared language." Uh, Like like an example, if, if we were doing an improv scene about what keys you know or like uh we're 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 two guys in the man cave and i'm gonna get on up and we're just hanging and chatting in your man cave in chicago we would just improvise and bounce off of each other and look for stuff ucb you'd push somebody to be like we're in our man cave and let's until one weird thing happens it's good so if i get up and i'm like i I walk out over here it's like uh oh you want another round like yeah i want another round cool i walk over here instead of pouring a beer i break into tears uh and start talking about uh how uh I miss the sounds of um, beer lapping on my ex-wife, and you're like, "What? Oh, forget about it. That ah, beer to the dudes." In UCB, they'd be like, "That was an unusual thing." Let's w- focus on that. Let's focus on that. Everything else, fuck everything else. It's We're no not longer. About it doesn't a- matter. Okay, so like, so like, only thing, not only thing, but
0: one of the. I remember UCB had a TV show, and one of the yeah. one of the things I that made me laugh out loud was I put pennies in my ass. Is ass pennies, great sketch? Ass the, oh yeah, so uh, the, theoretic- the golf course. Great yeah. Pe- yeah. So theoretically, <laughs> they would have they would have been doing an improv, and the guy goes, "Oh, did I tell you about?" So that's why I put ass pennies in my mouth. It's two.
2: So that scene starts with two golfers, right? Yeah, and they're talking about thing, and then he's got one weird peccadillo that he's yeah. <laughs> he's got this weird theory. Yeah, and so everything else drops away, and it becomes like we continue to heighten that one thing. Uh, that's great. It's great, and so I mean, honestly, so how that's how that scene would supposedly go is like. Stop working so hard, let's build. I'm gonna keep getting up and I'm gonna come back down, I'm gonna drop that thing, we're gonna keep talking. I'm going like, oh, I ran out of peanuts, I'm gonna go get some peanuts. I go on over to get peanuts and I immediately start weeping again because I'm thinking about how my a girlfriend I had in high school, like had a peanut allergy and she died. And then I come on back here and it's like, this whole game is gonna be me freaking out about ex-girlfriends in a man cave based around the drinks and the snacks that we have. And so like UCB would push people to be like, go towards that thing, if you find it, get it. And then and then, forget about exploring. It's about uh, building off of the thing that's already there. And that's a little bit more structured than like what a sh- traditional Chicago one would be, which would be like, it's going to be this. We should look to continue to build off of that. And honestly, there's a lot of great Chicago scenes that would look exactly like that anyway. But, but UCB is like, let's teach towards a right and a wrong.
0: That's, inter- that's, that's a little bit t- in the vein of stand-up. Yeah. Is you, yeah, you... you, you do crowd work and you mess with, or you talk to someone until something bizarre comes up. And then once that bizarre thing comes up, that be that is the thing you bounce off of mm-hmm. and you keep going
2: back to keep finding it. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I, I loved it as a way to like, it, it like expanded the language of what improv is. And also it's, it's, <laughs> it's fun to be able to articulate what you're actually looking for as opposed to continually just searching. Uh And your brain too. I would say a thing that I love. I got into stand up way late, um, but it's a totally different shit. There's so much editing. Improv is so much brainstorm, and stand up stand up is so much editing. They both use both, but almost at different uh, different calibers. And even like writing for a, a Daily Show and like writing for the show we're on right now, like it's a constant balance of those two skill sets. Of, yeah. Like, because like, you can't just be all improv brain, because you never you never you never boil anything down to what is funny and what is efficient. And then for also creating stuff day in and day out, you can't be all stand-up brain because then you, you don't get past... like We need the vomit phase of like, what else you got. Yeah, there's a lot of stand-ups who I don't think could... Uh, there's a lot of
0: stand-ups that you would bring up on stage with you and they'd be like, I don't do this well. <laughs> <laughs> there's a stand-up I know very well. <laughs> I'll say his name because I love him. Nate Bargatze. do you know who he is? Yeah. He's one of the most talented guys working right now. No questions asked, one of the best comics working right now. One of the funniest fucking guys in the world. And we did this crowd work show... And I love crowd work. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I love the, I love the detorking. I like when it gets dirty. I like when it turns into something that like no one, I love when it gets all ugly and Nate part gets on the get stage to this crowd work show for the CISO. Shout out to rest in peace. CISO. Um, <laughs> and he goes, I don't do crowd work well, so I'm going to have Jay Okerson up here with me to help me. And so, so Jay comes up, Jay just does the crowd work and, and then Nate will try to chime in when something works. He's just bad at talking to people on stage. And he's like, it's not my strong suit, man. I can write jokes all day. But I can't fuck around with you on stage. He's like, where are you from? The guy's like, uh, New York. And, and Nate's
2: like, yep, we're here in New York. All right. It that's, was fucking... H- it was hilarious. It's either, either you love it and like that idea of just flying free is a thing that excites you or it's like, let, let me craft something that's worth putting out there. I think that's, that's yeah. the fun part of it all. So how old were you when you moved to New York? I was, uh, I think it was
0: 30, 31. Nice. I like that. A grown up moving to New York. <laughs> That's right. I was 26 when I got into stand up. 26? Yeah, I was 26 and I was, oh, I was 25 and my, on my 26th birthday is the first day I started doing stand up technically. Wow. Yeah. That's the day I count. And so I, I thought I came out at late because Dane was 26 and he was like, I've been doing it for 10 years. And I was like, what? Yeah. And he was so much better than me. And I was like, fuck. Like I remember being like, I'm never going to succeed in this business. Yeah. But then, then I remember uh, there was another guy. I won't say his name. I will say his name. I don't care. Uh, Jay Moore had started very old, young, too. He started mm-hmm. in high school, I think. And uh, he's just a little bit older than me. And he was more famous, much more famous than me. And he was, uh, I was touring with him. Mm-hmm. And we were in Tampa. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking in this moment, oh, he never got to live a life. Like, I lived a life. And we were at a, We were these people and these people were like, hey, you guys should come back to our place. And Jay's like, definitely, definitely. I was like, no, you don't want to go back to their place. And he was like, why not? I was like, because first of all, they're all doing coke. I know you don't do coke. He was like, what? I was like, you can't tell that? And he was like, you can tell they're doing coke? I go, Jay, they're doing it in front of us. He was like, what do you mean they're doing it in front of us? And I was like, it was like Dane and Jay and both got into stand up very young. They just weren't well versed in like being a grown up. They, they're children and you know the business keeps you a child mm-hmm. it's the easiest way to deal with you mm-hmm. and then you, it, unless you do coke and fucking fall apart but when you're Jay and Dane and both sober and both good guys and you know their one vice probably ever was women like that's all they knew is women like they just didn't live a life and then I was like oh I'm so glad I have all these stories of a life lived that I now can talk about as opposed to being like, you ever play Monopoly with your grandmother?
1: <laughs> you know, no, I'm not shitting on that story. It was a
0: great joke. But, you know, I definitely
2: didn't have a Monopoly grandma joke. Well, so <laughs> so you moved to New York at 30? Yeah, I was 30. And so I was, I mean, I've been doing improv and all that for like 10 years, but didn't. So this is 2009? Yeah, tw- uh, 2010, I think. 2010. 2010? Moved there to 2010. Hustled. Taught at UCB for years, got little bit parts here and there, wrote on MTV2 shows, uh, did little, I mean, just kind of just the hustle with like little like chipping away, chipping away. And it wasn't until I was 36, 35, I got Daily Show and that was like, that was that was basically the Big break. The, no, 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 the, the, let's talk the, about. Let's talk the, about it. The overnight. Uh, so so 16 like no, years no, no, in. no 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 no
0: Let's slow this down. <laughs> let's let this breathe. This is a game-changing moment in everyone's life. Sure. You. Everyone gets one where you where you hang up the phone and you take a deep breath and you sit back and you go, I think my life just changed forever. Like oh my god. Like
2: where were you? Like you auditioned. I'll tell you, boy. I mean. If you want I, another beer, we give can, me another beer because let me tell you, here we go. <laughs> it's uh. I mean, it was a, an amazing, I'll tell you, it, it was complicated as all get out. So the story of it all is, I mean, you know how that is. You, you're, you, you get close to things and you never get things. You get close and you never get things. And yeah, like oh, Daily yeah. Show was something I'd auditioned for before, but got called in to put something on tape with my, um, with my wife, because my wife's also a comedian. And Wait, who's your wife? Laura Gray. She's on The Opposition with me right now, and she's okay. been a writer and a comedian forever. And so okay. we toured together in Chicago. Out of New York? Uh, in New York, but we also knew each other back in Chicago. So we okay. moved to New York together. Uh, Daily Show, like both of us, they have us put our audition on tape together. And then we make it to the the next round, which is... They don't have many... The, the round is basically Reading with John. So they... You guys are married right now. We're, we're married at this point. And they're both and actually against I each think, other? I mean, yes. <laughs> and so... Uh, I, I, do you realize how much I'd be fucking with my wife's head? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh,
0: fuck. <laughs> I'd be like, don't get out of here. If you need to do anything ritualistic today, let me know. I'll make sure your ritual is fine. <laughs> I will just make sure your ritual is fine.
2: Uh, I mean, it was crazy. So, like, we auditioned, and it was great and weird and strange. We auditioned separately with John. Uh, but I would say, like... I I wish life was as simple as like it's the call life is great boy everything's worth it but it, it's it wasn't it was complicated it was like the call to tell me that I got the job that my wife did not get the job who's living the same struggle I'm living who got so close she got really close to SNL she's I mean you it, you get close to things that can change your life and you never get them and so like I got that call at the same moment that my wife got a terrible call and so it was it was fucking weird uh <laughs> and I, and i can't stop i can't stop
0: <laughs> i can't stop scenarios right now you going oh shit it's my agent hold on and then going and then going hold on it's call waiting oh it's your agent do you want to take this call <laughs> or or the fucking like oh you have uh, this is like i can't believe you haven't written this as a sketch
2: oh uh, i mean honestly it's it's, <laughs> it's it's it took a while for us to deal with it like because honestly it was a thing that we just didn't talk much about. because it's it was tough like It sucked and it's also like a lot of people are like oh my god dream job I'm like yes and honestly the daily show was a dream job but it came with like the person I love most having like that the thing that I could have gotten like they they could take one person John Oliver left and I got to go in and like so it was it was tough and strange I feel like that's kind of what this industry is it's like it looks like it's it's all roses and it's great but it's but it's complicated and so, kind of lived complicated for a little while, and then she did a lot of other f- cool stuff, and it became something that we weren't, you know, <laughs> weren't constantly pushing back. it's
0: so fucking amazing. Yeah, that is a, that. That's a study in so much more than just the entertainment business. It's a study in in. <laughs> I mean, I, I would pay... I'd pay money to watch that as a sitcom. <laughs> oh, I'd pay money to I watch I would pay money ever. to
2: never have to see it ever. <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> <laughs> who was the guy... Who was, who, Austin, who was the guy that we had on from either SNL or from uh, The Daily Show recently? And it wasn't Rory. It was someone from The Daily Show. I had someone from The Daily Show on, and he told me... he I said he auditioned twice. It might have been... It might have been... Um, or Roy Wood. Yeah. He auditioned twice and he said the first time he heard someone audition good. Like he did a, I forget who it was. They said they were they heard their audition yeah. and then and then accidentally heard someone do the audition right and was like, "Oh fuck. Yep. That's how I have to do it." And then they came back and auditioned the same way the other guy did <laughs> and got the fucking part. God, I wish I knew who that was. Is that Roy? Right? There might be Roy. It might be Roy. Um I can't remember. I I feel like I know anyway. So so you got the call and it was just like, did you guys go out to dinner that night and celebrate? No,
2: I mean it's no. It was it was an emotional, weird day. Like I I because uh, I, I had to go to work three days later. It was like a Thursday or a Friday, and I had to be at work at Monday. It was very weird. Did and... any part of you? And
0: you don't have to be honest. Just <laughs> blink if you're. Did any part of you resent her not celebrating you, or were you so happy internally that you were? Because I'm such a fucking bull in a china shop. Oh
2: sure, I mean, I yeah, I I I am not above being an asshole about that. Yeah. I think like I, I think we would both say like you know there are parts of that we weren't proud that I, I i wanted uh you know team Klepper to just jump from the rafters this is good at the same for all time, of us yeah exactly I mean, yes and but then also i i know exactly if i was in those shoes exactly Oh, because I but, oh
0: I, I forget that it was a f- f- coin, toy, coin toss and you were the other side <laughs> and party and let me tell you something i don't give a fuck how progressive you are if my wife beats me for a job that fucks with my manhood <laughs> and especially in comedy if my wife's podcast gets bigger than my pod. my wife just started a podcast right she started it because she just wanted something to do and <laughs> people come to my shows and they're like dude I really like your, your wife's podcast there's part of me that goes I'm standing right in front of you I'm the one that introduced you to her podcast don't fucking talk about her you just saw me perform for an hour how
2: dare you <laughs> My happiness, though, my is directly connected to whether she feels like that. That's the most I feel like that's that's that old school man stuff is like happy, happy life, happy wife kind of a thing. Like that's that's stitched on some old dude's pillow somewhere. But I do think, like, I do think in that moment, it's like, oh, I got. I mean, I if if she could have gotten that, I did. I mean, I don't know. I would have, I would, yeah, I would have been a shithead if I didn't get it and she got it. And it it can't not fuck with how you how you see things because it is because it's it's it is it is that luck you're like fuck I got this thing I feel great about it and then you can't help but feel like yeah I got it if that was the right thing I'm sure I was the right person for it and I've been on the flip side where it's like fuck I it it was just that random my life could be totally different there so it it took time for us we had to we had to ease into it um but she then became the biggest supporter and biggest fan of all of that. And yeah. now we work together on the show, which is awesome. So, like, is it fun working with your wife? It's, it is super fun. I mean, it's the show's so encompassing. Like, it's all I'm thinking about. And now it's, it's all our home is thinking about all the time. It's, which, uh, I called it production brain.
0: Yeah. Where you can't think of anything but production. And it really, it took from my stand up pretty aggressively because I'd get in production brain and I'd spend a day thinking about, um, uh, the, pit vipers because we were going to to wrangle pit vipers in costa rica so i never once thought of a joke for like seven years the jokes were few and far between Mm -hmm. and then and then when i got out of production brain and had to get back into stand-up brain it definitely took a while for me to go oh that's right everything's a fucking joke there's no
2: seriousness that's what i feel like that's the weird thing i'm balancing like yeah you know i gotta be a producer and i gotta be a host on this show uh but my brain is very much in the produce like how, how, do, how do we make this thing happen today how do we get these people and what have you and so it is it's like oh you have to you have to learn how to be a leader and to organize something so it works so that production brain you gotta have it but you gotta leave a little bit of space where it's like I gotta I gotta be having fun and start you know fucking around with the writers and playing around in a way that like you're actually getting new material and not just stuck on like the numbers oh I was the best leader I wasn't the best uh host
0: yeah I was like I still to this day don't know if I'm technically talented but I am a great leader what didn't did you like being a host um I had a little bit of an epiphany last night uh two nights ago maybe last night that um I was always I was always into the assumption that people tuned in for the host as opposed for, to people tune in for a show, mm-hmm. um, and all my shows were uh, hosted reality, and I was always fighting to make it original. I, I, there was I would fight tooth and nail for things that I thought were needed to be there, and uh, and the other day I'm watching some bullshit show called Carnival Eats, and I'm just like, and the host is horrible. <laughs> he's really bad. He's like he's like an Ace Ventura ripoff, off, like. Uh, like, I gotta and,
2: tell you, you're selling it to me.
0: I would take an ace you're rip ripoff. I wish, if, <laughs> as a host, I was watching it, going, "Oh my fucking god!" They're they're lighting these shots like like are you shitting me? Like and like there's another show I watch, Man vs. Food, where the guy and they just fired Adam Richman, who's my friend. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah. And then they have brought in a new guy, Josh Denny. He's not a bad guy, not a great host, not a great host, not a bad guy. He does this thing. This is my favorite thing to ever do, ever, ever, ever in reality shows is watch bad hosts a lot of times will talk to camera and if they're talking to a person don't watch the host watch the person because they don't know where now where to look (laughs) so they'll look at the host he's not looking at them they'll look at the crew and then they'll look in the camera and that guy does this it's so much fun to watch a poor chef going, well, this looks good, but this looks better, and then you watch the guy go. Well, where am I supposed to look? And so, I but I still watch Man vs. Food. I, I still do. I hope yeah. Adam Richman doesn't hear that, but I still watch Man vs. Food because the show's good. And so, I was so coming from the stand-up world that I wanted to be authentic. I wanted to break uh, barriers. I wanted to change the genre i wanted it, i wanted it to be i wanted it to be a show that people were like i mean i did the the fourth season i did in my one show i did a few shows on travel channel mm-hmm. i um the president got fired before it started and it had already been greenlit for 13 episodes so uh, there was and, and and then and then they fired everyone at the network right so we had no bosses for the entire production so i made the show i wanted to make yeah and it was amazing <laughs> and they buried it so deep <laughs> because it was amazing, it, but it was not on brand. It was definitely not on brand. I mean, one of my reads was uh, uh, New Jersey is like a chick with a fat ass. Like, not everyone's into it, but if you're into it, you like it. Like, and like people are like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And I was like, "And, and then I gave them no other options. I just gave them that. So that was their one read they got. But it was, it was the cameramen laughing and the sound guy. La- it was just me trying to make the crew laugh. So I don't know if I'll ever do television again. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind a big payday. I wouldn't mind four camera sitcom. But I, for right now, I don't see television as. I have a hard time taking notes from people. I'm just, I'm just, I feel like I've been through the ringer. Yeah. But the boss part, the leader, I was great at. Yeah. Dude, I used to do this thing. This is a fun thing to do is on set. Okay. And you, by the way, feel free to do this. <laughs> what do you shoot? Do you shoot uh day and date? Day of. Day of. Yeah. 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 And then shoot five days a week? Four. Four. So yeah. Thursday. Th- yeah. And then you guys, I basically can't do rap parties anymore now with the Me Too. Yeah. Oh, well. Like Thursdays. No, <laughs> we do like 180 shows a year so uh, oh. it's, it never wraps oh dude i used to we used to shoot 180 shows a year on my first tv show and we didn't you wait you say
2: wait wait first of all <laughs> no rap parties because of me too is that your oh, connection yeah. dude there
0: i my first tv show was in 2001 and it was so fucked up like people would be go back to the stu- back to the
2: lot into the offices to do coke. Like it was there was no fucking rules. Yeah, we I mean are, we are a bunch of nerds over at the over at the opposition and we Basically, we finish a show and then people like run to their computers to read Politico to see what's happening. Today. It's a very different, show. Very <laughs> yeah, different I think show. It might be a different show. One of the funnest <laughs> things we
0: used to do, and this we used to do this for the cameraman. First of all, I'd always do uh, Big Mac Mondays, where I just give a PA two hundred bucks and he'd come back with like fucking two hundred Big Macs and just go Big Mac Monday. Everyone enjoy a Big Mac, and the cameraman and the sound guys would like come up to me and go, "Bro, I love Big Mac Mondays." Like they just like just little treats like that. Like go out, like just just because you got the money. Money, just like 200 bucks and go don't, don't tell it. my employees this. go get don't go get it this. go get 200 chick-fil-a sandwiches and then just come at chick-fil-a sandwich Thursday. and just <laughs> it was that was my favorite thing to do my other favorite thing to do was mo monday fridays right so on mo, mo money what we do is we pass around a bucket and you'd write your name on a dollar you could put in as many dollars as you want and you'd put it in the bucket now crew the crew would go nuts they put in 20 bucks worth of ones but the people that would win it was like the funnest it was like it was like you weren't even shooting a tv show and i'd had this guy carlos who wasn't technically my assistant he was the pa head of pas but me and him were like a team Uh he also did uh big mac mondays with me (laughs) but we would come up with schemes to just like just i by the way i probably should have been writing the show but we would sit in my green room and think of schemes to make the show more fun like Uh just to make the atmosphere more fun yeah but i'm sure now things are just fucking weird on tv sets I mean, well, first of all, I'm going to steal the Big Mac Mondays. Although Do it. That's, do that's, it. That's, that's a blessing. That's a fun idea. That's a blessing. Just and just surprise everyone. Yeah. Just you know what you should do? Make it real fun, right? Make it real fun and just start like going up by people craft services going, "You know, I wouldn't mind
2: a Big Mac right now." I huh? got to tell just, you. Yeah, just yeah. pretty nice, but there ain't <laughs> nothing I'll, like a cool Big Mac going down easy about the on presentation. a presentation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: those I, I that's what I miss about being on a TV show is yeah
2: the, those things it honestly the, the the fact that you're a whole team kind of put together in one big boat is is a blast it's
0: fun right it's, it's fun. like having a
2: family it is yeah it, and it, you I, I, I bet if your wife's there too do you ever go home late and then in early so no I mean it's 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 the kind of thing that we are our, our, our life is kind of spent over at that studio yeah but it's i mean honestly it but it is a family it's good people and the best part of being a boss is you get to hire great, cool people—people people you've You're heard gonna of who hot are chicks? great. Thought you were going to say hot chicks. <laughs> this is you, this, this. is the old guy who got it at thirty-seven. Yeah. Are you kidding? I'm, I'm talking about security. It's pictured. It's, it's there's dogs around the office. I got nothing but boring stories. I'm like obsessed with little pugs that are happening. Oh, <laughs> so is, look, his his grandmother came to say hi. Everybody. Th- those are exciting days for us. Oh, that's
0: fun. That, you know what though? I miss that. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. Is the fun, the camaraderie you
2: guys have, and then... It's pretty great. Like a Christmas party? Do you do a Christmas party? We do party? a Christmas party, but we uh, don't have a whole lot of money, so we you know, we make people pay for parts of it, but people can gather at a bar that we point them to, so... That's awesome. <laughs> now, um, now, do you do you get stressed about
0: ratings? I do. I mean... I get... That's the one thing I hated. Now, now tell yeah. me your experience. I could never get ratings for a show. As a host of any show I've ever been on, I never once... I wanted there to be an app where I got ratings. Do they call you immediately
2: with ratings? I don't. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an EP on the show, so I get, I think through that, I get a breakdown each week. Uh, and I kind of glance at, like, it's the kind of thing that you can't get too caught up in chasing it, I think. Like, there's certain things that we try to do to stick out and kind of get attention, but there's also part of it that I know will drive you crazy to be like, why is this up this week and not this week and this, you know, like you try to connect it to the topics that you're covering or what have you. And so sort of for me, I let the other EP worry most about it. I, I get a little taste of it and like focus on today's show, making a splash, doing a thing. Don't get caught up in that. Best guest you've had? We had uh, Vicente Fox, who was a president of Mexico, who came on and- Is he hot? Uh, it's a he, and he is oh. incredibly attractive. <laughs> <laughs> the the way, gams on Vicente Fox, you would, Jesus you would, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Case number two. I'll never be on the opposition. Yeah, you know what? All right, Bert. We'll get. We'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we'll have you on for just uh, <laughs> Vicente. You got a chick's <laughs> name. <laughs> Vicente. I think that's. Oh wait, I'm that's about. San Vicente is probably Saint Vin- Saint Vincent. Vincent. It's, it's Vincent. Vincent. It's, it's His Vin- name's Vincent. It's Vincent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's,
3: yeah.
2: Bert, I want to set you up with this guy, Vincent. Let me tell you, you love Vincent. Anyway, you, you love the interview with Vicente Fox. He's right up your alley. Yeah. Uh, we started with Taco Bowl. He got pissed at Trump and he smashed it on the ground. So we had a, we had a fun time with Vicente Fox. Yeah. He's, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we had fun comedians too. We had like Michael Ian Black on last week, which okay. was great. Let's go that, to that direction. Yeah. You want to talk to the state. Dude, <laughs> so when did you
0: discover them? Did you? Uh, I'm guessing high school.
2: Yeah. So what would have that
0: been? That would have been. You would have been. I can tell you. School, high I was 20. I turned 21 that year. So you were 18, 19, 17, it 16 like it was earlier. So wait, wait. You turned 21 when the state came out. When the state came out. I was. I turned 21 that year. I was 20. State came out. I'm 45. 45.
2: So you're six years younger than me. Yeah. So, so you you would have been 15. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Early high school. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I mean, like, yes, yeah, sketch was just that was, and I fell in love with sketch. But yeah. like, um, I got obsessed with Captain Monterey Jack. Uh, uh, I love uh, Taco Man, Taco Mailman. I was, I was,
0: yeah. The problem is, I don't have the same passion for t- delivering and
2: distributing the mail as I do for tacos. it's not the tacos. They're perhaps the greatest tacos I've ever had. It's just given the option between tacos or mail. I would choose mail. <laughs> okay, I think
0: we're saying a lot of things that we're going to regret later. I'm hearing you don't want the tacos. No.
2: no, <laughs> Dude, at the ending, I, I literally, he came on and I made everybody watch that sketch, which is so funny. We I was like, I love this sketch. It's got three classic Cop out sketch endings too. <laughs> like if you remember, there's oh, and then he, yeah, he walks away and he disappears, and then wife comes on, and then Michael Ian e. Black says that was perhaps the longest conversation I've ever had with a human being, and then the mailbox moves and walks away. Yeah, <laughs> it's like
0: the kitchen sink ending, dude. Uh, I let's go through <laughs> let's go through some more state sketches. Right. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite sketches. Now this will also explain explain my, my, my sense of comedy was I'm going to put my balls in oh, it. Oh God.
2: Yes. Dude. With Ken Marino. Now my, I always questioned cause he's literally holding balls. Yeah. I felt like that was a censor saying that you can't make a ball joke talking about balls. So you have to walk around holding balls. Can I tell you, I never even noticed that he was holding balls. That always threw me off. Cause I was like, I was like, well, he, he's got balls in there. So he's, He's drawing our attention to these balls, but we all know what he's talking about.
0: We would, at parties, go, does anyone have anything to drink? I've got a Shasta! I'm gonna dip my balls in it! Dude, it was... It was... when, When... my, the dip my balls in it guy came to the to the Last Supper. Do you remember that? <laughs> Wait, I don't know if I remember that one. No. Okay. I mean, but I but I, I already have written the sketch in my head. I'm sure Jesus is sitting. Uh, Jesus is played by Thomas Lennon. Mm-hmm. Jesus is sitting at the table. He is uh, about to give his Last Supper speech. And he's like, guys, I'm trying to give a speech. Can, can I? What's everyone talking about? And they're like, what, what was his name? His name wasn't Kenny. What was his name?
2: Because Doug was the other Doug. sketch. What, what, no, it no, no, wasn't, no, wasn't Doug. I'm, I'm Doug. out of here. It was I'm Doug. I'm out of here. <laughs>
0: Wait, you mean Uncle Bob? <laughs> yeah, the Bob Dylan joke. <laughs> By the way, we're just doing inside jokes to ourselves right now. <laughs> no, people are like, what is this? Pie? I guess I'll watch this day. We find out who I'm going to dip my balls in it was? Ken Marino. Um... Uh, God, they go, Vinny's coming tonight. And then they're like Vinny, and then you see Jesus drop his head and they go, what? You don't like Vinny? He goes, no, I love everyone. That's my thing, man. I'm Jesus. I just think it's hacky. He says he's going to dip his balls and everything. dude. I, the first experience I got, this will, as a fan of the state, mm-hmm. this will blow your mind. I'm 22 years old. I'm backpacking in Europe. I just been to Russia. I'm backpacking in Europe. And I go to Greece, and I, we're at a place called the Pink Palace. It's a it's the ultimate place. Anyone that listens to this podcast knows I've said that's the place you need to go. If you're going to spend a summer anywhere, go to the Pink Palace, get a job, and live the best life of your summer. Um, I am going to eat lunch upstairs, and I see Ken Latrulio. Or not, Joe. John, Joe Latrulio. Yep. And I went, oh my God, that's a guy from the state. Yeah. Easily one of the most recognizable faces. I then... Walk around and proceed to see everyone from the state at this one resort. Rat. And by the way, this is my favorite show. Uh, it's I'm, I'm 22. This is right when they had moved over to CBS. Right. And so they were taking time off. They were writing a book, and they were all going to party in Greece together. And I got to hang out with them. I ponied up to him. Michael Ian Black was not there, um, but Thomas Lennon's there. Carrie, what's her name, was there, and I'm with them I'm hanging out with them I'm drinking with them I'm in the middle of them like and I befriend David Wayne and I say to him I said to him you know I think I want to be a comedian I've been doing stand up I've been I've been doing stand up at all I'd never done it but i had been being funny around people in Europe and David Wayne says let me give you my phone number and he says when he said when you get done college if you move to New York if you move to New York you can call me call me and I'll get you into a couple shows and you let you some watch some comedy you don't have to pay and, you know, if you're still interested or whatever. I moved to New York, I called David Wayne. I still know David Wayne's number by heart. I still know David May. To the point where, I, when I met Michael Lee Black, I said, I told him this story. And I said, this is how true this story, David Wayne's number is 212, and I told him. And he went, you knew David Wayne. And I, and it was a very recognizable phone number. <laughs> and so, uh, I get to New York, I go. My first show I do is at Stella, I think that it's Stella. Mm-hmm. And I see Janine Garofalo, I see, uh, Todd Berry I see the three guys doing Stella and it was like amazing and that was my first entry into stand up was through the guys at the state and it was my favorite show ever it couldn't have been better in life like yeah. I always say I'm the luckiest guy in the world and that's my luck
2: is that well, that's what you want, right? You want those people who like in that moment are like, yeah, I'll help you out. This is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough racket trying to do comedy here. But if like somebody can reach out a hand like that and help you out. That's and by the, the way, I've people. been a guy who's extended hands and not extended hands. Like,
0: and I know how, like, I'm a little bit blown away by Tim Allen that he would go out and say, let me, you know, let me help you out. Cause I've got cousins in the business and sure, I, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm working though. I can't, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm just super busy. But yeah. like that's a fucking impressive, that and then uh, I did a show with Michael Ian Black
2: and I was I couldn't I couldn't have loved that guy more. Super funny dude, super smart guy. He came on because he he wrote a uh, an op ed about uh, boys and the issue with like boys growing up in America right now, like serious stuff. Which I'd also say like on a show like ours, where we're we're talking politics, we're talking stuff. I'm playing this this character, so it's a weird dynamic, and he's a funny guy like. The guy is such a pro, is so thoughtful about some of these more in-depth subjects, but still able to like play the comedy game and the status game in such a fun, easy way. Just a pro. He really is. And now, do you think you'll ever like, get Alex Jones on your show? Oh boy, I, I don't think so. He's th- a th-
0: fucking number.
2: <laughs> he's he's a couple numbers. Um, I think he's, he's he can stay in Austin, do his own thing in Austin. But
0: don't you? Wouldn't you want to? Wouldn't he's
2: we are very careful how much air we give him. And I think Really? Yeah, I mean he's engaged with us a handful of times and gone he's gone all in on me a couple of weeks ago cuz we we went on him when he started with David Hogg, called out the crisis actors and got on that whole thing. Yeah. We did a whole we did a whole act on on that chaos. And then the next day he spent 30 minutes going all in on on Jordan Kepler. <laughs> Just the whole Jordan Kepler. He called me a turd blossom. He called me like a wart growing out of an anus. Uh, I mean, it's pretty magical to be honest, like people around on the office are like, man, he's going all in right now and he's got to fill so much time. Like, God bless. He yeah. Just, <laughs> he's like, I got a grudge. I got an extra grind. Great. And, and it's
0: not an audience that's going to find you and go, you know what? This is my guy. Yeah. Like, it's not like, like, uh, like if, if, uh, if you mock trash, uh, I'm trying to think of like Hannibal Buress something, mm-hmm. you know? Then your fans will be like, "Wait, I got to check out Hannibal now." Right, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would be. I can
2: see how that would be. Uh, he, yeah, he's a he's a fascinating character in that world. Uh, holds a lot of sway. People people listen to him. People get on board with the the all the all the chum that he uh, spins up. Now, what the press do you do while you're in L.A.? Uh, we're doing a couple interviews tomorrow. we some Carson
0: Daly action. Yeah. Um, he's gorgeous. He's beautiful, right? Yeah, and he rides his bike up and down Malibu. What? These are all things. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's true, but I think it is. Oh, my God. That's like,
2: that's the life, right? Yeah,
0: Roland, uh, Roland. Do you know Roland Campos? Roland used to be best friends with Carson, was like his assistant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Roland does all the Sirius XM bookings. Okay, yeah. And uh, probably books Nikki's show, although I, I wouldn't. He does, he really? Um... And uh, and he used to work for Carson, and he told me one day, "I'm trying to make sure I get you out of here." So we've done an hour. I can, by the way, I'll go forever. <laughs> I'll go forever. I don't know what you guys, how much time you have, or, or but I won't keep you forever. But we'll go a little bit know. longer. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah I'm um, having a good old time drinking these Modelo's. Yeah. Well, I've did a four four hour. Do I one. get Modelos now? What I saw that I was listening to that earlier today. What do you do a four hour podcast? That's crazy. Yeah, it was great. It was just it was just one <laughs> of those ones where you get into a groove.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I can get like that, especially if I'm drinking. I've done five-hour podcasts. <laughs> and then you go back and you're like, what did I say in that thing? But but I think, you know,
2: are you are you a podcast guy at all? I'm not. I mean, honestly, it, it, it mostly comes down to commute. I'm not much of a podcast guy. i oh. I mostly, in the last couple of years, I'm just kind of a news guy. And so if I, if I put headphones on, I try to get some music in there. Uh, and I try to catch up on podcasts when I can, but I'm, I'm, I'm out of the podcast live. Dude, they are, uh, they are, they're
0: my, they're my favorite thing. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I mean,
2: you'll do them for hours. Then when you put them on and you'll listen to them for hours? I
0: listen to them. Oh, that right now. I mean, I've talked about this one the one I'm talking about to talk about ad nauseum, but Dan Cummings, Time Suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, I think you'd really like it. Yeah, he's, he's a really smart guy. Mm-hmm. He's a. Re- Do you know? Have you heard of this one? He doesn't have guests on. It's him by himself to research podcast, and he takes a subject and basically does a time suck. Where whereas we where would go on the internet and you'd Google everything about uh, uh, about Ted Kennedy and and uh, Chappaquiddick. Yeah, he does it for you, and you can just listen to a. Oh, pod- that's pretty fun. It's really great. I can't talk about this enough, and. Someone just said, you should check it out. And I, you know, I, I feel like I know everything about podcasting. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, okay. And then I listened to one about gun control and it was fucking fascinating. Yeah. And he really did the research and he's funny because he's a comic. And so I'm going to get him on my podcast in Salt Lake City. That's right. Like Rogan's is one I would definitely assume you'd, you could, that would be up your alley. You're smart. You enjoy humor. You've got a broad sense of the world i think you'd get into
2: rogan yeah easily i yeah i need to I, honestly it, it, i i'm i'm in a bubble with all of that stuff i listen to the daily do you listen to the daily new york yeah. times one come on bro come on i mean, just, just, I just bought just two having... guns on a lark <laughs> fair i should have yes you're right do you,
0: do you do you what do you read so what's your like what's your daily regimen
2: like like information wise Um, I try to, it's, it's, the job is weird because I've, I've once, once the show gets going during the day, like I am in a, I'm in a hole and so I don't get any new info. So I, I wake up way early and I'm like, walk me through an entire day. I'd be curious. So, I mean, part, part of this is anxiety. Part of this is just function. I'm probably up at like between four and five um okay and i by the way I, i've had those anxiety attacks yeah, right you know that is and so and i uh i read pitches and ideas from the night before um from the show i also catch up on news that happened overnight um uh so i'll, I'll read the i'll read the times and then i'll turn on at six o'clock read the times in a paper or on your phone using the phone i love the paper and I, i'm kind of a luddite at that but just functionally i kind of be it's on the phone yeah um and then I go through what I call the Trump diet. As like six o'clock, I will bounce between Fox and Friends, CNN, uh, New Day, and um, Morning Joe. That's kind of, and this sounds silly, but that's kind of romantic. Like the to be a cup of coffee. I usually wait to coffee till I get to work, but I think it's sort of a nice. Uh, it's kind of a nice way of like, I, I, I wish I did it the right way. I'll even, I'm on break right now and I've, 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 literally been like, all right, what I'm going to fix about this process is I'm going to romanticize it a bit. Cause right now it feels so worky that I'm like, Oh no, that's so cool. Yeah. It's like, I need to make that, I need to make that nice cup of coffee at six, watch these things. I'm trying to work this podcast into it cause it's a really good podcast that kind of sorts some of the day's news. Oh, that's fucking cool. What's so it called? Like the true, the, the daily. So it's, the... it takes one, it takes, it kind of does what you talk about it. I, all right, I, listen, I literally listened to it on the ride in, and it's like we'll go over gun control and do a twenty minute breakdown of it. Uh, all right, everyone. It's called the Daily. I'm looking <laughs> it go. up right now. You just boosted their numbers. There we go. Way to go, New York Times.
0: The Daily <laughs> the failing New York Times. I'll tell you. I, I, I'm gonna tell, I can already tell you what's wrong with the podcast. Yeah. The first time I listen to it, because <laughs> you get podcasts. Here's the problem: is you get people going. Yeah, hey, we we should start a podcast. Yeah. And then you get some fucking idiot like Katie Couric who doesn't understand the concept of a fucking podcast right now. You're like, I just booked someone like Katie Couric. Um, who's like, I have an interview with Margaret Thatcher, Margaret. Can you hear me? And you're like, Oh my God, you're talking to her on a landline and she's just holding it up to the fucking phone. The daily <laughs> like that. That's the problem is you like some people, let's see five star reviews, 14,000 reviews. I can't, I can't shit on it I mean, that's, right. yeah I think, that's the I n- five five star it's, reviews 14000 right? st- ratings I think they're pretty legit. Subscribe. <laughs> this New
2: York Times. You just made me smarter. Right. You just made me smarter. <laughs> Subscribed right there. You did it. I did. Of course, I did. I love. That's how only way I get my information. It's good, and I'd say I think that's. I, mean, I didn't even know I was going to come out of here and push this, but I literally drove two hours this morning catching up on it. And it's uh, it's What a, did you listen to? What's good? I like to. I like to start off with something good. They, they, they break down. I mean, they basically do twenty minute minutes. Okay. Break all right. All right. I got. I got.
0: Right now, I have a. Uh, I have a note for you. The daily um uh please don't title your podcast Wednesday Wednesday April 4th I know what day it is oh. and uh and I you don't need to do that at all you can do that in numbers at the end please put in your title what you're talking about that day okay yeah that makes that, sense I did that to my wife my wife was like it's me Kathy and Jill and I was like don't it, no one cares about your guests. Tell us what the subject, the topic is. What are you going to do for this one? I put my guests in because my guests are guest specific. Right. My numbers, are, my ratings are guest specific. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so I get bigger ratings based on my guest. Okay. If my guest is familiar uh, to the people, then my ratings go through the roof. Joey Diaz, 700,000 downloads. Uh, Jordan, you'll probably be a big one because of your TV show. What do you, what do you guess? But you're not... Well, the only problem is you're not a podcast dude yeah so not a lot of people have found you on podcasts mm-hmm. so this will be for a lot of people your introduction can i be a podcast dude without doing my own podcast is I, about, it? I thought you're gonna say without doing drugs no no i mean I, um yes. I mean, you can be a podcast dude without doing your own podcast 100 okay uh, owen benjamin mm-hmm. is a who do you do you know who that is not personally but i know yeah you know you know of him yeah okay yeah yeah he's a podcast dude yeah doesn't have his own podcast but he is gold on a podcast because he says a lot of out of the fucking bizarre shit. Shit, I should have been I should have been wilder. Just say the N word five times and we should be good. <laughs> <laughs> warn me to it. So, tell me that Brazilians can't get AIDS because they have huge dicks. Like that's the way Owen talks. All right,
2: well, it's gonna take me a while to get there.
0: Owen says shit where you go. I are. Are you serious? <laughs> but you know, I think Owen's an example of this, and I'm. And the fact that you know of him is is a point. Is that. There are a lot of guys out there just doing comedy and not taking really big swings at really sensitive subjects. And I think there's a lot of people in America who feel underrepresented and those people that take the big swings, even though they don't agree with everything, they go, I want to be a big swing taker, mm-hmm. you know? And Owen, we do this thing on Google Trends where you track spikes mm-hmm. and Owen's spiking hard as fuck every time he's on anything. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because he, he just doesn't give a fuck.
0: I mean, I give a fuck a little bit. Like, I really give a fuck.
2: <laughs> it's in this day and age, give it a fuck. Yeah, it's hard to get away from it. It
0: really is. Like, I bite my tongue. Uh, perfect example. I said something to Nikki Glaser. I said, not even bad, but brought up on stage in a weird way. With this whole Me Too climate, I just thought, I might not bring her up like, let's see her pussy. But I was like, I just said something off color, mm-hmm. but I do to any comic, but I was cognizant of it. And the next day, I text her. and I was like, "I hope that didn't bother you. If you if it did, I apologize." And she just wrote back, "You're a great guy. I'm fine. Thank you." Like that didn't. I was cool. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not happening with
2: Owen Benjamin. <laughs> so do you do you regret that? Do you feel like because there there is in the, in the comedy world? Do you do you wish you had crossed a line more there, or does that feel like like that that the new awareness that uh, I feel like our our modern time is now giving us is that is that a bad thing, or do you think no? That's I a think good it's thing? great. Yeah,
0: I think it's great. I yeah. you know. There's a lot of times in my life where I was oblivious to people's feelings, and they weren't given a voice enough to tell me that their feelings were hurt, and I, I definitely crossed that line probably my whole childhood, my whole fucking life. I just said shit, and I was a white male, and I could say whatever the fuck I wanted, and I walked away from it, and I was like, who gives a shit? Oh, you're sensitive. You can't take a joke, and you're like, oh... But yeah maybe if that was said about me it would hurt my feelings, mm-hmm. and so I'm cool with it you know yeah. I seem like you you seem like a guy that would all, was always cool with it
2: yeah uh, I mean I think you know ebbs and flows within all that but I mean I think like it, it is it is an interesting time for comedy, I would say and like my all, all comedy friends like it's every everybody feels nervous right now whether you call it the trump era or what have you but i think people are very sensitive about a lot of issues and i do think there are lines that definitely as a comedian you're like i i I wish i could cross this line but i feel like people people want something else from me which can be a scary place for comedy where like you're you're wondering where those boundaries are but i also think like overall that sensitivity and that awareness is something that i'm you know a big proponent of uh but comedy is is a fascinating uh canary in a coal mine with all of that
0: like what um, year did you stop saying the F word oh I still say the F word not fuck
2: oh oh geez okay
3: well yeah we're on a different page Jesus pages. Christ <laughs> God are
0: we fucking globally different oh,
2: God alright well we're in a different by the way I
0: call the F word fuck uh, uh,
2: yeah
0: <laughs> that's how fucking we might be we might be trafficking in different circles here this is I'm, what I'm, I'm like 1991
2: woke <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I think like uh, I mean, I don't think I ever came up in a time where that was a appropriate thing to say. I think in the oh. co- in the comedy in the comedy world of Chicago, that was the that was a line that was thrown around on. I would say the f the f word was the taboo word of two thousand six on stages there that felt like woke people were saying it, knowing it was an unwoke thing to say. Okay, um, so it was an unwoke thing to say in two thousand six, two thousand seven, but I saw it on comedy stages because it was woke people using it as a way to get attention okay i i stopped saying that word and i stopped saying the
0: word gay meaning like that uh, sure shirt looks gay or that's a gay car i'm not that that seems really ridiculous to say even now but when <laughs> sure. to, when todd glass came out of the closet when who todd glass came out of the closet and i listened to, it was marin and i was sitting our house used to be different i was sitting in a patio and he told me todd's a very good friend of mine mm-hmm. and i didn't know he was gay and i must have used the word around him i'm sure and he said on in the podcast, um, yeah, when you say that, it really fucking hurts. Mm-hmm. And I never realized that that word had attachment to people. That that I, I didn't, I wasn't saying it in that way, but it didn't matter that I was saying that way. So that's that's where like, and Rogan, by the way, stopped saying it like probably two years before me. Mm-hmm. Like he just was like, ah, I'm done with it, and uh, or maybe a year. Like not, so, he's not that woke, but uh, but it's funny because. That's where I judge on people on, because I still have friends that say it. Mm-hmm. Like all my friends at Legion of Skanks still say it.
2: <laughs> I, I don't I don't know the context there, but the fact you, that, you know, Le- the, who, are, who are Legion of Skanks? Oh, I, you aren't I, a podcast I, guy. I'm not a podcast guy, but I, I, for, with no context, okay. that's a hilarious comment All right, comment we're going to talk say. to your publicist. <laughs> Shit, should I know Legion of Skanks? No. Uh, it sounds like.
0: no, No, but The Bonfire is a show he'd be great on. Yeah, uh, bonfire is the biggest show. I think the biggest show on Comedy Central Radio right now It's Big J Roxanne and Dan Soder. Fucking great, great. Uh, can I can I go through and tell you all my podcast bookings I do? So so so. Uh, inside the room is is Jordan's publicist. You want to swing, swing the mic, Matt? Get in here! Oh boy. <laughs> so Matt, so Matt, my wife uh, is in the uh, booking, looking at publicist, and my wife came back and she goes, "By the way, his publicist coming today," <laughs> which normally I would I fucking hate, but because I, we're wrote, really, I wrote I wrote wanted to
3: make the intro. No, no,
0: yeah. we're, we're no because well, Norton's had it happen before where he brings his publicist. and I go, Jim, i have fucking known you forever, but I've started to like I'm, for the first time looking at publicists, and I was like. I was like, I wouldn't mind meeting a publicist. I wouldn't mind seeing how that works, like that business. Because I've always done my own publicity. Mm -hmm. But um, my wife gave me the breakdown of you. You were at a really big agency. You broke (laughs) off. You started your own agency. (laughs) And now you represent mostly movie stars, but mostly comics who are movie stars. Is that correct? Predominantly,
3: yes, male. Chris Rock. No, not anymore. okay. Well well well, 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 well. I think I didn't like his last special. So <laughs> I can't because I can't because I never see Jordan because he's okay. in New York, so it's yeah. a special occasion. And I, your manager, Reg Tigerman. Yes, the best name in Hollywood
0: uh, Reg does not Tigerman. live up to the name when you see him. <laughs>
3: it's like uh, Ben Stiller in uh, in in uh, Tropic Thunder. What was his name? Which is no, not Lex Ben Grossman. Stiller,
0: uh, not Ben Stiller, uh, not Ben Stiller. Robert no, no, no. Lex Gross, in right? the movie. No, in, no, no. I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh,
2: Oh, Grossman. Shit. It's Grossman. Isn't
0: it Grossman? No, no,
2: no. Oh, my God. Matthew McConaughey would call him by it. This is, this is why I can't get into podcasts, you know? Oh, this is what I love about podcasts. <laughs> this is it right yeah, here? Yeah, no, this is my favorite part. Because oh, t- oh, you're sitting on it. your
0: subway going, it's fucking da-da-da. It's fucking da-da-da.
2: Oh, man. I can't believe I'm It's not honest. Grossman? I've said it three times. I'm, I'm no. wrong on that? No.
0: Tug Speedman. Tug Speedman. Tug Uh-oh. Speedman. Okay. <sighs> yeah. All right. All right. And so And so... Uh, I love, to, I love to know that you guys work together. I think it's really fascinating. I've never, never worked with a publicist. I don't really know what they do. And I would never, I like never would I ever take a booking from a publicist. Only because usually they come out to be horrible. But I saw Nicky was on your show. Yeah. And I watched your show. And I was like, oh, this guy seems like he could really be on a podcast. Like he could talk. He seemed really real. And then I looked at your thing. And I was like, well, he's got a really interesting bio. Mm -hmm. I was like, really fucking fascinating. First of all, love Kalamazoo. Love Kalamazoo. Yeah, you've been to Kalamazoo? Oh, they used to have a fucking... (laughs) They used to have a a stand-up place that this guy based out of Chicago would run. It was called The
2: Laughing Post. Yeah. and Before that, it was called... It was Zanies or whatever. My uncle used to it uh way before that back in like so wait
0: hold on did your your uncle didn't own the other one in chicago too did he i don't think so okay i
2: think he no, so i've I, heard I,
0: stories about that guy really wait oh boy <laughs> you might know about good stories but like fantastic <laughs> stories you know like not like fantastic stories like oh he's pay you with a gun on the table oh no <laughs> wait wait, wait. so when, when were you doing stand-up in kalamazoo oh fucking who knows back in the day i flew in into a snowstorm yeah and the show got canceled and next door to my hotel was a bar, and they had uh, they had um, keno in the bar. Oh yeah! And I just got drunk at 10 a.m. and played keno until 11 o'clock at night, and I <laughs> won no money. I lost all my money for the whole weekend, but I fucking loved Kalamazoo. <laughs> it's a great town. I love Kalamazoo. So now, so now, what other what are like big? Um, what are like we're talking about podcasts? But what other big things that are going on in media today? That you would like to get Jordan on because I have a few ideas. Jesus mm-hmm. um, Miro,
3: we have an offer for that. We have, we just haven't done it.
0: Oh, it, you have an offer to do it. Yep. Oh.
2: That's a great show. So the yeah, problem I've, is you have we, to do
0: it. You have to do it tomorrow. You have to do it tomorrow. In New York. It's
3: in Brooklyn. No, yeah, yeah. Well, no, but when you go back to New York, that is such a great show. That is a great show. Yeah. The problem is his schedule. Yeah. Because they tape like at eleven o'clock in the morning or noon, so it's hard to get him out. That's and sucks. then they don't tape normally on Fridays is that right yeah. 11 o'clock yeah 11 or 12 in Brooklyn that's a good schedule but if you can I, peel I away for a couple hours
2: it's such a fun show <laughs> yeah.
0: and you're, you're right up their alley they're real progressive thinkers they're, they're great real... they're I, awesome. I've,
2: I've met them a handful of times they're great
0: yeah yeah I would love to see you on standing that show standing offer standing offer it's gonna make it happen done. done dude no I'll be excited
2: watching that <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do it I just this is the yeah, but yeah. What's get, seven, them, get them on your show I think we're doing that. We're trying to figure, make that happen as well. That would be great. Yeah. Um, can you get John? Would John Stewart come on your show? John came on the show. Oh, John, really? John was on uh, a couple months ago. Really? Yeah. He came on when he was doing uh, Night of Too Many Stars, uh, which was a blast. So that was that was a uh, so oh, much fun having him come on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He just came on and <laughs> we were going to do a bit, and it's very John. John kind of came on. He was like, yeah, yeah. What, what's the bit? And it basically, just kind of comes on and just we just just kind of. You 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 wing it for like seven minutes and just talk shit and he made fun of my height which he used to do all the time back at the Daily Show and I made fun of his height like it was some, it was just it was just like ball busting for seven minutes it was a blast you're really great at press I'm great at press yeah yeah there's like
0: there's a lot of people you I'm sure you know this yeah but there's a lot of people that could not come on and talk to a stranger for an hour and a half that is a very like it's a very
2: <laughs> well I mean. Have my job is is you know doing interview portions and chatting with people. It's fun, honestly. I, I will tell you this was a blast. I don't do a lot of podcasts, but what is really you fun should, about man, this? You
0: should. You're so good on them.
2: It's fun to talk talk politics. It's also fun to not talk politics. Yeah, I, I would say it's sort of a blast here because I think like there's a lot of like let's figure out the political mind of comedy, but also like oh I, I like figure what else is happening. In the world. All right, then here we go. Worst yeah. sex story. <laughs> oh god, let's talk not... politics. <laughs> You really want to talk about getting fucked? Let's go back to politics. (laughs) How
0: old were you when you met your wife?
2: I was when I met my wife. uh, We we did comedy together. I was probably twenty six.
0: Wow, that's that's. You guys have been together a grip.
2: Yeah, yeah. We we've been together. We've been married for uh, four ish years, but been together for close to a decade.
3: What are her parents'
2: politics? Wait, uh wait a decade is that
3: if you met her at 26 and you're 39 what are you talking about
2: we started dating I think it's about about a decade dating we knew each other so you in did comedy dally. scene okay yeah, yeah. comedy scene kind of knew each other other relationships I then got together and the rest is the rest is history you know uh what, what did you wonder? It, was a, it wasn't a sex thing. It was a other thing. It was a what thing? Oh, uh, I forgot. Hold on one second. <laughs> oh, what are her parents' politics? Like? Oh, pa- uh, uh, her her mother her mother passed away, but her mother was fairly liberal and was a teacher. Her father's like suburbs of Chicago. Uh, he's a contrarian by nature. I think he's. He, I like he, a man like that. He's a contrarian through and through. Um, so he will he will start. You would love him. He will he will drink you under the table and he will. He will get in an argument with you about anything. Uh, really? He's a smart guy. He's, he's progressive, but he will, if you come at him progressive, he's going to go conservative on you. He, he likes to, he likes to pick a fight. Oh, I like a guy <laughs> like that.
0: I like anyone who likes to have a good argument, you know? Yeah. But I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that I like to set up ridiculous arguments. Sure. Like I got into a in Chinese New Year's. I got into a fight with a bunch of Asians that uh, I could beat any Asian in a foot race. Yeah, well
2: that's I don't, I don't, even, I, don't is, I don't even I don't argument. even know how to handle this is I don't even I don't even I feel valid, like this feels that. like two thousand seven again. This oh, no. feels Oh Google it. What is, what is the, the Libertine skanks of Newfoundland think of that? The Libertine Skanks? <laughs> the legion of Skanks? Legion of Skanks,
0: yes. Oh my god, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> the 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 bet started on uh, I was with my friend Sandy and uh, who's Asian. Our best friends are Vietnamese, and she told me something that was just kinda like oddly racist but it was about asians and it was about herself and she's like oh did you know mm-hmm. that uh asians have a hard time finding sunglasses to stay on their face and i was like what she was like yeah it's we have a really hard time finding sunglasses because not all sunglasses will fit the bridge of our nose they'll slide off our face so you tell me that and i fucking lose my shit i'm like are you being serious and she's like oh yeah right so, I go, that's, that's real? And she's like, oh, 100%. So, then all at school, we're doing drop off, and I'm literally walking around looking at all the Asians' women's sunglasses. And I'm like, God damn it, man, this is fucking amazing. And none of them are wearing like Ray Bans because they they're not meant for Asian faces, right? <laughs> so, this is legit. By the way, don't you spread this to anyone. Don't you say this to anyone because you look racist, but it's true. This is okay. This is if, I... if, if you have a really close Asian friend, mm-hmm. softball it to them. Find out. Just, just okay? You're walking me into something. not I'm, no, I'm like. not. This feels like a... So then Sandy and I are in the park the next day. And she's planted the seed. And so her dog starts to run. And she starts running with her dog. And she doesn't look like she should run. Like, she doesn't look natural runner. <laughs> and so I then I start thinking, as any Asian person, I don't see a lot of Asian cornerbacks. You know, like, you don't see a lot of Asian cornerbacks. You don't see a lot of Asian running backs. And then I was like, I wonder if any, are there any sprinters? I Google on my phone: Has any Asian person ever won a gold, silver, or bronze medal in any Olympics ever? And the answer in the history of the world is no. In any foot race ever, ever, ever. There's one caveat, okay? In like 1986, an Asian runner beat one in the hurdles because everyone fell. All right, that's the one caveat. So I go to this party, I get to- now I, I research this sober. I remember it drunk. Mm-hmm. And I'm at a party with Sandy, and someone says something. I'm running the marathon, and they're like, Oh, you can't run. And I go, first of all, I can beat any Asian in a foot race in this room. <laughs> oh boy. And Sandy starts laughing and she goes, I got my money on Bert. <laughs> and Sandy's Asian. And all the Asians, are like, wait. And then one of her friends goes, Where you come up with this information? And I was like, Because you guys have never won a gold, silver medal or bronze in any foot race ever. Ever in the
2: history of the Olympics, you're 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 using you say Asian Are you talking about we're talking Chinese, Japanese? There's never been a a a meddling name it across the board. There are a lot of Asian people. This guy comes back. What what are you attributing that to? You're attributing that to just
0: I just they're not good at running. I'm guessing.
2: (laughs) Right? Well, All there's I'm, an infrastructure to, to to win these medals as well. Like, is there an Olympic infrastructure in Japan to... Uh, no, no. Jamaicans win. are winning. There's no infrastructure. This is, you're, you're pulling this stuff from...
0: <laughs> this is barstool bar logic these right are, here. These are
2: these are John Candy films.
0: These that's are John, I, Yeah. <laughs> so then this guy looks back at me and goes, that's bullshit. We won a hurdles one year. I go, you know the same research I do. And he goes, we, we have never run a race. No, we have never run a race. But we did win a hurdle. I go, $10,000. Race me right now. And he goes, I'm not taking that. Look, this guy's in great shape. He goes, I'm not a good runner. I'm not a good runner. The whole party goes around. No one will race me. No one will race me except for one guy, her husband. Tom's like, fuck it. No money, but I got to race you. Tom's in great shape. He's 5'10", big movie producer, fucking fantastic shape, on the street, barefoot, drunk as shit. Me and him run a fucking 60-yard dash, and I smoke him. (laughs) Dude, you should have seen... Like that was what, that was the ending that Hitler wanted in the Jesse Owens race. Like I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Why are the Kenyans so good? Oh, there was, I actually saw, I read, I listened to a podcast on this. (laughs) I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead serious. So there is, uh, because that, that is, by the way, this is me really fucking. Don't go Jimmy the Greek. No, 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 no. It has to do with the altitude they lived at and then the distance that they naturally traveled to get to water to like it was it was something super simple and that it just if you needed to survive that was what you needed to do was be able to run and they pace themselves
3: they don't sprint
0: yeah and so there was a really great podcast on this that i listened to i want to say it was radio lab that's a great one you should Mm -hmm. check out that's a really yeah
2: i know radio lab yeah
0: yeah do you guys have to get going on the list radio lab yeah dude radio lab i found out about quicksand porn what? Jesus Christ. You ever heard about quicksand porn? No, I, no, no. Jordan, man. Now tell me about this. I feel like I'm hanging out with a Mormon
2: here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know what? I've, been, my, I've just been focused on this Trump administration. It's driving me insane. You come out to LA. I come out to LA for a day and a half. We're yes. quicksand <laughs> born. The, uh, the, the, the skanks are screaming. And I'm hearing borderline racist science. Uh, <laughs> no, <and> borderline? <laughs> it's not even borderline. It's racist science. I'm hearing racist science and a <laughs> man came. What is this? what is this los
0: angeles people keep telling me about <laughs> the uh uh quicksand porn is um exactly what it sounds like so so actually i don't, I don't even know what so let me there's I'll, no metaphor in there
3: it's like right. do i pull it up do i show them what? i mean i have yeah oh, i'll show them porn? i'll show them the good one
2: i can the find a good one, good one.
0: Oh, there's only
2: one really really what? sexy one show me one where they survive
0: uh, john 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 how old are you I'm forty nine. I'll be fifty in May. Okay. Matt. So you'd be Matt. Matt, Matt. I just called you John. John, well, that's John. Right. Or Joe Hud, I think is what I Matt. So <laughs> so have you seen the movie uh Wonder Woman and Mr. The Wonder Woman and Miss Mar, Mr. Marston, or what is it called? Vaguely, and I didn't. It's about the guy that created Wonder Woman. So the guy that created Wonder Woman um was in a a shared marriage, mm-hmm. him and two women. And they were into BDSM. And so he created one. He also created the the truth. Um, The truth machine, the lie detector. Okay. Randomly, he created he created the lie detector. I have so much googling to have to do after this podcast, or just listen to a podcast. (laughs) All
2: right, right. just could listen to a podcast.
0: And and so and so he created Wonder Woman, and in throughout Wonder Woman there were BDSM themes, uh, women tied up, a group of women tied up and tied in BDSM tie knots, like Mm -hmm. feet and hands behind their back, uh, tied across their boobs, and they didn't. Literally, the ethics committee in the United States at the time was trying to get rid of Wonder Woman, and he was saying, "Look, this is just." It's just entertainment, but that was what was selling Wonder Woman was that it was sexy for when I found Wonder Woman and you were too young, but, but John, her. you know what I'm
3: talking about. <laughs> if you call me John again, I'm joking. I'm joking now. <laughs> I met her. I met her when I was a kid. My mom worked at Warner Brothers. Are you serious? Yeah. And I, uh, I went to the set like, cause I got back in the day. This is like probably early eighties, late seventies, whatever. Yeah. Went to the set. I met Lyle Wagner remember her you remember liwa he was like the boss
0: yes 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 and i met her i'm trying to think of linda Wait, carter is her name in full uniform linda carter that was hold the phone do you that was probably in my first direction that
3: wonder woman was my first direction she was insanely hot in costume in costume? the whole get up and then i got her autograph and she said uh don't forget to eat your veggies what really i have it i have it at home in my parents house i do don't forget Short to eat got, your veggies. And she got a star on the Walk of Fame yesterday.
0: You, how does she look? She's. I think, but she still looks good.
3: I don't know, but here's the here's the chick going into quicksand. This is insane. <laughs> so
0: this this is based off of our childhoods. So our childhood sexuality is yeah. derived out of the movies we saw. Wonder Woman. There was one called Dinah Girl or Dinah Woman and it Wonder was a Girl spinoff. Right? Spinoff. Yeah. There was another one like the Boogal like. They're all the heroes were getting tied up, and all the heroes at some point the the heroine would yeah. fall into quicksand and wait to be rescued. And in a weird way, that was all the sexuality we saw on television
2: as a kid. So this... The quicksand is like the evolution of the tire, uh, the train tracks.
3: This is crazy. I wish I was as smart as you. Yes. I, <laughs> that, met, uh, yeah. I met Barbara Bach, Daisy Duke. That was another one. I used to go around Daisy and they Duke. had Fantasy Island.
2: Were tattoo your parents was, in the... Tattoo your...
3: was a dick. My oh, mom... I bet he was. <laughs> my mom was a... Uh, they didn't call it assistant back there. She was a secretary for, uh, for one of the like vice presidents on the film side. So I got to go to the Waltons. I would... Uh, Alice. I met Vic Tabak. Really? Oh, yeah. That's fun. Awesome. Who else? The guys from uh, all the Dukes of Hazard people. Who, uh, I'm trying to think of other shows. Those were the main ones. And then uh, Linda Carter it was crazy. It's crazy. So not to pivot for a second, but how do you get into becoming a publicist? Completely random. Just uh, kind of fell into it. I was a journalism major. At, I went to Emerson College in Boston. Yeah. And then uh just kind of okay i lived in boston for a while with a girlfriend moved home i remember my journalism teacher saying for those who can't there's pr so i kind of fell into it <laughs> words. Words. um but she can kiss my ass now. so <laughs> what else? What else? <laughs> cr- and how long have you been in pr 27 years 1991. holy crap now, how, young, how right?
0: did you, you look i love your beard <laughs> by the way thank you because the, the number one thing I got called, right now my beard's trimmed on the cheeks, which I'm a little embarrassed of, but I did it because I have adult acne on my right cheek. And I was in Hawaii and I was trying to clear it up, so I thought the sun and the salt. But one time I had a beard and an MMA fighter came to my show. And he goes, cute little trim job there. And I went, oh, thanks. And he goes, no, what are you, a man? He goes, a man grows a beard. And that's all I remember him saying. And I looked at his beard, and he hadn't trimmed it up at all. It was just a beard. Like and there. I was like, I was like, fuck! I need to be a man. I was like, I got to start trimming my beard better. And then, and then I just, but I just trimmed it before Hawaii because I wanted to this adult acne to. How did you? How did you two meet?
3: <laughs> uh, through uh, I was pursuing through the manager. Oh, who's your manager? Kirsten Ames,
2: lovely woman. What's the company? It's it's her company Oh Solo. really Yeah Just so, one uh, Yeah just her I've been working with her since Back in the day Back in Chicago So kind of through Through Kirsten was, And then as uh, the show was taking hold She was like You gotta meet Matt
3: Really And then we what met in LA And then uh, boom
2: We had a power lunch Yeah
0: Can I tell you Can I tell you that wh- Whoever's publicist This person is Is a beast of a fucking publicist Eliza Schlesinger Yeah mm. This is now, as a public, as a, from a publicist standpoint, I think you'll really appreciate this. She is in doing a movie with Mark Wahlberg and Rose McGowan, not Rose McGowan, Rose, Rose something. I ripped Rose back in the day. Rose McGowan? Yeah.
3: Dude, I... I Around never... that time. Oh, for real? But never heard that. I never heard her talk about that. It never came up. I think it was after me, right after me, but... Yeah. And then I knew the manager. Who, who passed away who committed suicide. Oh, wow, that was, was just recent. Yeah. Holy Present. shit. Yeah. And I used to represent Eliza like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. Schlesinger? So, yeah. She, her publicist, there was just, a, this is
0: like, like I just recently got introduced to the world of publicists. I, like I'd always just thought, I would always just thought, like I remember getting a publicist for my Showtime special or meeting with them and he was like, so here here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to get you on Rogan and I was like, I was like, I can get on Rogan. He's like, Well, why don't you give me Rogan's number and I'll I'll make the introduction. I was like, Oh, I don't think you know what you're doing. I was like, I'm not giving you Joe's number. I will call him myself, and I think I'm good. I got a PR firm mm-hmm. out of New York, and they tried. There was a uh, was uh, I'll give you the real number. It was like 3,500 bucks a month, and they're like, This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna get your numbers up on Facebook. We're gonna get your numbers up on Twitter. Your numbers up on Instagram. We're gonna make sure all your videos reach at least a million people. We're gonna and this and that nothing I, I saw no bump and then i had this story that where i got involved with the russian mafia when i was a kid and robbed a train and uh it's the only reason i'm fucking we got to hear about that that's like the john Voigt well you've never heard this story no oh well that's probably three hours i'm not telling it no i'm definitely not telling it <laughs> but it's it is the story that it's the reason i it's the reason I, i've sold out a, every show i put it on facebook just randomly a year ago on the whatever the 27th was christmas fell on a wednesday new year's fell on a tuesday and so all those days in between everyone was off and they all had brand new electronics from christmas and i happened to post my machine story uh, it's called the machine i happened to post that uh right on the day two days after christmas and it went viral like beyond viral like change change your life viral like I I it's not often I go a day without getting recognized like oh shit you're the machine mm-hmm. like 39 million views originally and then people ripped it and they get 39 million views here and 39 million views there and you know 50 million views and and then and then another video I had got went viral and it got like 300 million views and so those two videos went back to back and then the Tom Segura weight loss challenge which was all on Joe's podcast And then this is what killed me. The production company, the PR company called me personally and asked me how I did it. And I went, Oh, you fucking snake oil salesman. They weren't like a publicist. They weren't trying to get you stuff. They were trying to help you. They were like an online social media, social media experts. And, uh, but anyway, back to Eliza's publicist. And this, I thought this was really impressive. There was a clip, not of Eliza, but it was in people magazine of, of uh, Mark Wahlberg and Rose Rose something Burn Rose Burn on set smiling and laughing right like and that's it and they're like Rose Burn and Mark Wahlberg on set of their new movie in Atlanta and they must be laughing at Eliza Schlesinger who also stars in it with them (laughs) and I was like how the fuck do you even do that? Like they could be laughing at what's for lunch. But, but I shout out to Eliza. She's a beast. She fucking hustle that shit. And that's part of the game. Yeah. Cause I read it and I went, what the fuck?
3: I have a question for you. Shoot. Um, how old were you in this Russian thing? 22. All right. So who would play you in a movie at 22? Who would you like? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, I had thought
0: originally Adam Devine, but this is before he kind of blew up, but I knew him when he was younger. Um, although that, that's not, not who I was. I mean, I, in all honesty... It could be
3: somebody who's your age now, but who would have played you then. Oh, Ryan Reynolds, definitely. I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you also yeah. know that another little, yeah. Everyone gets that joke. Uh, I was the movie Van Wilder was kind of not Toby Maguire, oh, right. Yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, Tobey, where Mar- I'm a little more of a like, in all honesty, I'm more like Scotty J from Boogie Nights. Wait, which one's Scotty J? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, oh like a little dark. bit more of the Rube, oh. like a, like no, oh. just like, huh? huh? Like I'm I'm always like a goofball. You're like, not John C. Riley in, in Boogie Nights. Oh, I'm no, I am John C. Riley in Boogie Nights. I was wrong. You're right. I am wrong. John C. Riley in Boogie Nights. It's simple arithmetic. Oh, I love John C. Riley in Boogie Nights. If you could star in one movie, what, what movie would you star in? If I could star
2: in one movie, and it could be any movie exists. that's any movie that's already been. Oh, I think like you know, I'd, I'd go Fight Club, so I could play two parts. I thought you were going to say Tupac. Um, <laughs> well, so you no, play I'm taking Tupac. back. play you Tupac. Know, let me, let me, let me. T- <laughs> Letterman okay.
3: said uh, one pack one in a, in a uh, monologue once. He made a joke. He called Tupac one pack. Who said that? Letterman. Oh, for real? Mm-hmm. Dude, Letterman's the best. let see your film.
0: Oh, that was another publicist that was a piece of shit. I've had the bad <laughs> worst run. Of, I was in a car coming back from the Today Show with my, by the way, I'm not talking about you, Karen, with the n- Travel Channel publicist and then a publicist Travel Channel had hired to, uh, to help us. And I said, I think I'm going to get on Letterman. And and this woman said, honey, I've been in this business for 25 years. You will never get on Letterman. What? And I said, said, well, I I know the executive producers. And she's like, trust me, trust me, trust me. You will never get on Letterman. Who says that? Uh, I wish I could remember her name.
3: But I mean, like in general, uh, agent, publicist, friend, who would say something like that? I don't. I don't know. Like you I, told
2: me, I wouldn't get on Letterman. <laughs> just like, last well, week, it has gone. I mean, last week <laughs> you were very clear.
0: What's the one show you want to get on? Like, what would be your ideal show to get on and promote and to, just to, just to have fun? You know, even if they like bring up your show a little bit, but the ideal show where you're like, that would be fun as fuck. Yeah, I mean, do like, you have a wish list that you give John? Sorry, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm sorry, man.
3: What about well former shows? Charlie Rose. That would have
2: been fun Charlie Rose would have been. Oh, yeah. that would have been. You would have been great on that. That, w- that would have been blast. Yeah, just just to, just to chat. It Tom up. Snyder. I like me some old school. G- give me some like seventies. Uh, Cav-
3: I saw Dick Cavett somewhere. I bumped into him. Dick in
2: Cavett. World. Maybe oh. Gore Vidal. You know me. Me. And- <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Let's go way old. George Clinton. He's never a talk shows. Just just a, a, a long long Jack chapter. Parr I would say you know what was really interesting. I got to do um, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Oh, okay, home run, home run. So that that was really. I got that. What's up? Yeah. Okay. Did you? That's, that's yeah. Matt. There you go. Thanks. Uh, that was really great too. As like, I, as, as somebody who talks to people for a living and, and what those interviews are like, she was she was great and so so well-researched, but also so, uh, it's a show that edits down, obviously, as many do. Uh, but she, she definitely threw some things out there that were like, I'm gonna go down this path and there might not be anything down there, but I'm gonna connect a couple dots. Some dots were like new cool revelations. Some were just things that, we're like, oh, there's nothing down this path. We'll go back there. But it was really cool to see somebody like that who's been doing it forever kind of figure out how to get a big interview. The Dude.
3: interesting part is that she's in Philadelphia and yep. you do it via ISDN line. So you
2: don't oh, see her. I'll pass. She, she says she likes it. I'm not good with Unless that. you go in Philly. Maybe I go to Philly once a year. Face to face. I think she said she or I've heard she likes that so that she has the... That you're not... You're not explaining stuff in person in a weird which I never thought of because I, I heard that too. I was like, oh, you know, doing on the show and much like this, mm-hmm. you, there is a lot of communication that we're going to have that's not nonverbal, that she she likes cutting that off so you don't you don't rely on that or the audience gets the same experience she has. What about WTF? I mean, that'd be great. That's a that's a podcast I listen to and there's he's there's great. Now. He'd yeah. be great with you. That that'd be great. He'd be great with you. Yeah, that's a great one. Can you hook him up with that? I tried. Right. <laughs> I
0: can. He passed for now. What? Yeah, no, he's right now he's in this musician phase a little bit. Like, uh, which I don't, I mean, I, I get. Well, I think he, I think he's, you know, Mark's. We
2: don't need to go through everybody who passed. Jesus, Am I going to get in trouble this after this? You, I mean, come on. What Should I stop
3: talking? I feel like I,
2: well, maybe I should. Come on, publicist, that answer. No, this, up. Is, no, this on, is, is a new way of it, doing publicism. Nobody passes. This, this, this is a new We're way of publicists. We're trying to find a time. That's that's how that should be answered. We're trying to find a time. This is one. how we do it. Guys, hit up Mark Marin and tell him Jordan
0: Klebner is dying. I'm not doing it. You see my publicist right here. He can't make shit happens. He's doing Corolla.
3: He's doing Corolla tomorrow. Corolla's fucking
0: great. Yeah, yeah. He's great. You're going to have a blast with him. That'll be fun. He's a little far. He's a little far. That'll be fun. That'll be fun because he's a little right, right? Mm, I think so, yeah. Yeah. I've heard him say some shit that's out of this world where you're like, huh? He's like, I don't know. I think any parent that lives in an apartment with children should be held in contempt of court for (laughs) child abuse. And you're like, oh, at the time I was living in an apartment with my kids. Okay. But then there's this weird sensitive side to him where like, I did his, or he did my podcast and I was, I was with him and I didn't drive cause I thought we might drink. So we were coming. He goes, you want to ride home? And I was like, in my head, I was like, no. Cause <laughs> I have intimacy issues. Like I just don't like being one-on-one with someone. Like, no, I mean, I don't mind this, but like if you were like, Hey, will you come drop my car off with me? I'd be like, nah. <laughs> and so we get in his car and he just wanted to talk about touring. And then he was like, what street do I get off? Of? I was in Laurel Canyon. And he was like, oh, I used to live by there. I was like, really? And he's like, do you mind if we stop by my old house? I was like, sure. And we drove by his old house and I was like, wait, I know that house, I've been through that. They were selling that house, I walked through that house. I go, you grew up there? And he goes, I lived on the porch. I was like, what? Because the porch had been, it's, dude, he's a really fascinating guy. He 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 was like, I go, did was the fence here when you went to school? Because we lived right across from our kids. He's like, you know, when I was a kid, no one woke me up for school. And in order to get to school, I had to climb the fence every morning. And I just thought, what a tough life. Like, what a legit working class life that I did not have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to Jimmy Buffett today, and I was th- singing the song, Son of a, Son of a Sailor. and But I was singing, Son of a, Son of a Lawyer. <laughs> and I was trying to think of lyrics for Son of a, Son of a Lawyer. Um... <laughs> So so, I feel like we've I feel like we've touched on just about everything. Do we feel like we have anything else we want to cover? We've, I mean, you know, I'll come back and we'll fill in all the gaps. By the way, we can totally do that. Yeah. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to have is you and your wife it will be great, and then I'll bring my wife in. We'll do a foursome podcast, have some wine. Does your wife That'd drink? She does drink. Yeah, that would be great. I would love that. That's a fun idea. Yeah. Yeah. Those I, are those are really fun. We've done them. I've done them with Tom and Christina, uh, Tom Segura and Christina Pujinski. Yeah. Oh, your mom's house is a good one too. Mm-hmm. Tom Segura. Yeah. Uh, Next time. Yeah, yeah. Next time you come out I'll, in May, hopefully. When you come, out. oh, if you come out in May, we'll do one with me and my wife and your wife, and then I'll get you on Tom and Pushes. That's a there's a really big podcast. Fighter and the kid, Joey Diaz. Do you smoke marijuana? i mean not on
2: podcasts oh (laughs) do you smoke i mean i'm you know i have to do you know wait you know know, i do satirical comedy you know you have to keep it above the fray oh bro (laughs) can i tell you you know i mean what we all look for is the virability of an
0: interview right (laughs) something that really makes it pop Uh joey diaz is you know are you familiar with who he is He's yes. a crazy raunchy. He's 55, 50 years old, 55 years old, not really sure because he. Did, no one really brought his documents from Cuba. Mom died when he was young, uh, went to prison when he, he was like 25 for kidnapping a man, spent three years in prison, addicted to drugs, cleaned up, got into movies and comedy. He was in The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler. He was in, he's been in a lot of movies, but he's a one of the best, one of the quintessential podcasters. But his podcast is out of his studio, And before the podcast starts, he just smokes a little weed and you listen to music together. And then he'll be like, dog, you need one of these death stars. And he gives you an edible marijuana and the conversation spins into, and it's called the church of what's happening now. And all his fans are big church heads and his fans are that elusive, like, like, like they don't, they don't listen to anything other than Joey. It's Mm -hmm. a group of people just fucking with Joey. And so when they get a guy like you or Michael Rappaport or or uh, John Turturro's brother Nick Turturro, mm-hmm. or when they get guys like that on, where or uh, AJ Benza, like they where you can go on. You don't have to smoke if you don't want to, but you, you got to bring a bottle of wine. You should definitely try to get a little <laughs> fucked up. Mm-hmm. But trust me when I tell you, when people get high, they go. Viral. The videos go viral because you just watch a person get out of their comfort zone. It's the same thing. I'm sure you're familiar with the show Hot Ones mm-hmm. with Sean Evans. Yeah. The it's it's you watch a person get a little out of their comfort zone and talk a little little sideways, and that is what fucking fans love. Like it is just it's such a great show. He laughs at his own stuff though. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But he says such fucked up stuff. He said to me one time, he was like, "Dog." When I first got to this country, I got attacked by six dogs my first week. I go, are you serious? And he's like, Bert, the last dog walked past me and then turned around and came back and bit me. That's how bad he wanted me. He's he's fucking amazing. But like, yeah, I think you should definitely start listening to more. I really, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. And this this is business talk. I think you and your wife should start a podcast separate from Comedy Central. And trust me when I tell you the money breakdown, it's more money than you make on TV. It's more money than you make on TV.
3: Think about it. Just think about it. It's
0: more money that I don't do TV right now because I make more money on this podcast than I ever made on Travel Channel. It is one agent. You don't pay your agent, your manager. I would definitely keep your publicist. Definitely keep your publicist. Thank you. But uh, I would. I would. I was. We're, I think we're going to try to get a publicist when I. When I. Uh, when my special's coming out, but um, I was thinking about getting one for my podcast just to get guests. And I'm doing another show that I want to run by you. I want to talk to you and ask you a question about. Okay. But. Um, but you and your wife could do a podcast <laughs> by yourselves and just talk about the stuff that is the show and trust me, all those fans of your show will go straight to your podcast. Straight to your fucking podcast. Yeah. It is...
2: All right. It's better than
0: because being on Twitter, I think, and all that yeah. stuff. If you're, especially if you're not someone who's good at 140 characters or whatever mm-hmm. and you're someone who likes to tell a story like myself or someone who likes to listen to a story... You know, everyone, a lot of people drive to work. A lot of people fly to work. A lot of people get on a subway for work. A lot of people have jobs where they are sitting there driving a forklift for the day or blowing glass. Or there's weird jobs out there. Not everyone's like you or me where we get up and we go to follow our passion. And to be in their ear for an hour and a half, four hours, and then... And then they—they'll trust me when I say when you when you decide to do some live tour with your wife, mm-hmm. some improv live tour, sketch live tour, or political live tour. When the show goes live, you can just crossover. do a
3: conversation on stage. It's a chat. I mean, that's not it's a bad easy. idea.
0: It's that's easy. not a bad idea. It's, it's very inexpensive to start. <laughs> yeah. Well, hang, I'm gonna I'm gonna we'll turn this off and I'll break down numbers for you. I'll Give me the you numbers. Numbers. <laughs> and you will. And I'm telling you when you say, you will. You will have mic cords in your hand on the flight home.
2: Just so you know, I make
0: thousands
3: of dollars on television. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) You could do it on Fridays. You could do it on Fridays from your studio. That's not a bad idea. You could do it. Nikki had one for her.
0: Nikki had one for her sex show. Did it was. I think she. And I think that's what got her onto Comedy Central Radio is that she did the podcast with Dan St. Germain. It went so well. Everyone was like, "Well, fuck! Why don't you do a radio show for us?" She's a great radio interviewer. She's fantastic. But it's, you know, it also helps you write. Uh, If you do it enough and you kind of let it breathe and you get bits out of stuff and you go, oh shit, I should, maybe that would. I added a second one to my podcast. I added a solo one where I just go through and I talk about all the tabs I've Googled all week. <laughs> so I leave up all the tabs and then yeah. I just click them and tell you what I've learned from that one tab. Oh, I love it. I have yeah. a name for my podcast if I ever have one. What do you got? Uh, I'm, by the way, I'm ready for a publisher to have a fucking podcast. <laughs> I'm glad I asked with Matt LeBove. Pretty good. Oh, I like <laughs> I'm glad it. Glad I, asked. I fucking like it. Thank you. Do you ever listen to Barry Katz's podcast?
3: Papa Barry Katz. <laughs> I knew him back in the day with Chappelle. Oh. Jay Moore. God,
0: that, was, that seems a fucking... With the long hair. Do you remember him with the friggin' oh. long hair! Do you see that flyer right there, Boston Comedy Club? I used to hand those out at the front door of Boston Comedy Club. Oh my god! Nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> He's a legend. Nineteen yeah,
3: nineteen ninety seven. He's a legend. <laughs> everybody, everybody loves Barry. Everybody loves Barry.
0: Um, so him, your show airs directly after the Daily Show at eleven thirty. That's right, Monday through Thursday. The opposition. Yeah, the opposition. Yeah, you like how I got that down? You got that down. <laughs> Can we just hold on? She's in quicksand. Oh. Okay, oh, so Jesus. Oh. All right, so it's just this. Sometimes it's a little higher class and they take their clothes off because it weighs is, them down. This
2: is, quick, this is, this is pornography? It, the hot part is when the boobs hit the mud. When the boobs hit the mud. This is just, this is just a woman struggling.
0: Yeah, sometimes rope, some, of us, some of us men who have been pushed back with the Me Too moment <laughs> like to see a woman in quicksand. <laughs>
3: where do they find quicksand
0: oh uh that's a great question is this really there's a website literally just a woman struggling that men are masturbating (laughs) too this is why there's a problem in this country jesus christ there's a website (laughs) where uh people who likes uh quicksand porn called sinkers they find yeah. all the sink spots and there's
2: quicksand all over the country oh well that's i could actually do a public
0: service oh crazy. dude it i'm telling you i heard found about it on radio lab and i was blown away the second i was like sinkers <laughs> and then i watched one quicksand the one with the girl with the red panties is the hot one and man when her boobs hit the mud there is a weird feeling you got as a kid when you'd see a girl in quicksand oh, the girl always got in quicksand it was the, the transition from the railroad tracks by the way I'm stealing that if I talk about it's... quicksand on porn and uh, and when her boobs hit the mud and, and she was in a superhero costume I went oh my god that reminds me of when I was a kid and I, f- I found out I was into chicks like because when you were a kid, you'd watch the boobs hit the mud. you go, oh, she's got boobs. Oh, God. Oh, there's no problem. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love the bugaloos.
3: When the boobs hit the sand, when that's amore. Bo- that's,
0: <laughs> that's, uh,
3: that's the end of civilization.
2: Sounds like boob- a Dawes song.
0: <laughs> when the boobs hit the sand, we'll be drinking champagne. <laughs> Dude, this has been a blast, man. Thank Thanks you so much. Thanks for having me. This is, this is so much fun. Please, uh, I'll give you. I'll give you my number so you can text me when you're coming out. But if you want to set it, it up it. through Matt, yeah. uh, set it up through Matt. Uh, but I would love to have you and your wife on with my wife. That'd be a blast. And just it's it's a fun. We'll do it. We can do it later at night so we can relax and have a, gla- a couple glasses of wine. Tito's and bullshit. Or some Tito's.
3: <laughs> some uh, Tito's some will definitely Tito's send, send it
0: out. It. They will. Uh, but I'm I'm super excited. I'm super excited to watch more of the show now. Check it out. Like, it's I, fun. We yeah. have a good time with it. Well, congratulations, man. Thank Thank you for doing this. This And thank you, Matt. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. All right. Let's talk numbers. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.